Welcome to our brand new show It's not that complicated so listen close We'll go through IMDB Reviewing all of an actor's movies Blank spank, blank spank Blank spank, blank spank Blank spank, blank spank Blank spank Jamie darling is that really what you decided to wear today? Because let me tell you what, I know you think you chose that red shirt, but I chose that red shirt, Jamie. I chose it for you because I set the taste. And when it comes to red shirts with the words Jared Leibmiller on it, uh, that came, <laughs> someone else picked that for you. You have no free will. <laughs> this is a deterministic podcast, Jamie. How are you doing today? Well, that that is fully true that, they, that someone else picked it for me because it has someone else's name on it that I got as a joke Christmas present that I would thought would be a fun, uh, fun thing to wear for the 100th episode, a shirt with Jared Liebmiller on it. Um, but yes, of course, uh, the, the Jared Lee Miller shirts have been sweeping across Europe for many years and it is only now trickling down to me, the peon. No, uh, Jamie, like I said, you're wearing a knockoff. Okay. It's on the runways of, uh, Paris and Milan was the, uh, Noah Lee Miller sweatshirt. And that's trickled <laughs> down to you in the form of a Jared Lee Miller uh, uh, for reference, t-shirt. for anyone who doesn't know those two of our <laughs> specific friends, those two people are Very twins. Specific. That's why that was a funny joke. Yeah. Hello and welcome to Blank Spank, season two, the Hathaway Stashaway, the show where we're chronologically reviewing Anne Hathaway's entire IMDb. And for episode, for the 100th time, I'm <laughs> Jamie Loxton and with me as 99 times before is Alexander Gillespie. Say hello, Al! Hello, Al. Actually, Jamie, uh, fun fact here. Uh, I've been on 100 episodes of Hank's Bank, uh, and you... Actually, I technically have not. You, 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 no, I, no, mean, no, I do, technically I do have. feature. Your voice features on the... Your in voice the lost episode. On, yeah, you do feature in the lost <laughs> episodes. Uh, in the Hank's Bank... Uh, yes, go back and listen to the Hank's Bank Power Murder Mystery Hour, whatever the fuck it's called, uh, where uh, Al lost his audio and therefore had to use my side of the audio to create a new episode. Very fun episode. Anyone should listen to it. Uh, I, I was very proud of my dear Alexander. And that's what we're doing today, Alexander. We're being proud of ourselves. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew almost two years ago that we would still be here? I mean, you wouldn't be here. You'd be in a completely different location. And maybe you knew that at the time but I didn't and you were keeping it from me and perhaps I should have known that before I entered this venture with you but here we are 100 mediocre episodes later and we have not prepared anything I I deeply uh, love the idea that had you known I had an inkling of wanting to move to Canada and I did want to move to Canada back then but um, I just like the idea that had I told you that at the time, you would have gone, mm, see, I don't want my heart broken. I'm going to no, no, yeah, make no, a truck I... podcast with Miles. Okay, I'm going to no, go do I, a podcast I like about podcast trucks. hosts who stay. <laughs> <laughs> um, how are you doing, Al? Do, do we do we have anything? I mean, we've got a lot to talk about with the film this week. It's a big film. We've been, we've been saving it. Uh, if you haven't looked, if you, if you like me, uh, think that the titles for podcasts are spoilers and therefore blindly uh, click on them. Uh, we are reviewing Devil Wears Prada this week. We've been excited for it for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. So we do have a lot to talk about. Uh, and I, uh, in in keeping with uh, the theme of, of this week's film about feeling uh, important, uh, I do have what the industry professionals call a hard out, uh, which is where I have to leave at a specific time. Now, 
Are we going to talk about why I have that hard out? And might that slightly undercut, you know, my professional uh, allure? Because, yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it is because I'm I love, in the middle of a Lord of the Rings marathon. <laughs> I, I, I deeply appreciate that your hard out is the soft, like it's not the softest hard out, but that's what I call a medium <laughs> out. So okay? yeah, yeah. it's not that you have a train to catch, it's that other people <laughs> want to watch a movie with you and you want to restart at six. Yes, exactly. I, I do not wish to stay up uh, until gone midnight watching uh, the Lord of the Rings films as I am. Are you, uh, we're are currently watching, halfway... Th- are you watching the extended what? editions? Because... Uh, I prefer not to say, uh, because I, I know my answer will get me in trouble with certain people. Uh, but we are halfway through uh, the two towers, and that is all I will say. Okay. Uh, you know, I, we're halfway through the two towers. I am... No, but here's so this is interesting to me, right? Because obviously, right, I know that it's four o'clock your time. So if you did a sensible rewatch starting time, started like nine or ten, that you'd already be pretty near Return of the King. However, I also know you live with Hannah, and uh, I know that <laughs> Hannah tends to not wake up before twelve. Um, ah, can I throw a spanner in the works? Yes, Hannah is not watching it. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> So now you have no clue what's going on. Anyway, that's enough about me. If I do have a hard out or let's say a medium out, uh, we should plow on. Do you have anything to say before we start talking about the lore of this podcast, uh, which of course we do need to recap uh, for the 100th episode and then talking about the momentous film, The Devil Wears Prada. So um, in my house, uh, I've really wanted to have hue bulbs for a long time. And they're very are those, fun. What, are those like bulbs that change colour? Yeah, the bulbs that change colour. And I put them in, they're very cool. Um, but now, in order to get it synced up uh, properly, where I can like have it just turn on in the morning at 7 o'clock, the time, whatever time I want to just wake up at, I can just have them turn on as. I can't turn it off physically. I need to turn it off with the app. However, and this is because I'm a dum-dum, I've also decided that I want to be on my phone less, so I've put restriction controls that come in about 8 o'clock at night, which means that before <laughs> 8 in the morning and after 8 at night, I can't turn on or on or off these bulbs. <laughs> I, I have to ask Alyssa to. Yes, for, 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 for what are called smart bulbs, this seems like some real dumb shit, Alexander. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, and so I'm always amazed that Alyssa uh, at uh, 8 in the morning when we kick her out, um, doesn't just spam this by just repeatedly turning the lights on and off, on and <laughs> off, and hoping to give one of us an epileptic fit. So, you know, I really appreciate my girlfriend for not trying to murder either one of us. That's great. <laughs> uh, my parents got a puppy, Jamie. Little Bernard. They did. I've seen the puppy called Bernard. Uh, we, we had a discussion last night about whether it was Bernard or Bernard. Uh, it is Bernard, like I... the Sanders. Yeah, well, but here's my question, right? I... In my head, he's called Bernard Sa- uh, Bernard. Yes, no, Bernard I, yeah, no. What you, Is he yes, Bernard you said Sanders? it was. I'm fairly sure Americans would pronounce it Bernard, but I'm I'm willing to be incorrect. I'm willing to be incorrect. I I really refuse to believe that Bernie Sanders, the, the working class man that he is, wouldn't have a Yorkshire pronunciation of his name. All right, <laughs> in my head, there's a, only one person deserves to be called Bernard, and it's people from the north. Or the, I guess there's Bernard in. There might be a Bernard in Doctor Who. I can't remember. I believe there's a Bernard Langer. I'm not sure I know who that is. I think it might be a cricket player. I don't know. I've just I'm just doing free association here. You say I, Bernard, I say Langer. So it was very funny because I was um Christ, when was it? I was I was talking to my family the other week and I haven't seen them for a very long time, but apparently they've forgotten everything about me because my brother went, Al, you really like cricket. And I was just sitting there being like, <laughs> I've never displayed an interest in cricket in my life. Uh, if there's a, ever a sport which uh, 
uh, cricket's it's not oh it's quite boring it's not boy you even more he's not a cricketer he's a golfer (laughs) i mean i'm impressed you remembered anyone called bernard's name but are we are we baby bernie uh he's very cute he's very cute and so he's an adorable dog uh alyssa and i are looking for a dog um although the wait lists for the kind of dog we want are a year long jesus so we will uh, be honored. that <laughs> this is not that along uh, with what we mentioned a few weeks ago if you're applying for permanent residency i'm not liking <laughs> the signs here alexander <laughs> i love that it, i just like the idea that you didn't get the hint at permanent residency and you are now just getting <laughs> like, a hint the, do- with the, dog. the the year waiting list for the dog it's like i mean you know, how are you gonna come? So, that's a that's a really shitty excuse to your family. Like, sorry, family, I can't come home. I'm on a waiting list for a dog. <laughs> it's really, I just there's no there's no other option. That's that's uh, what I'm telling. I the guess visa, I gotta stay. That's what I'm telling the visa people. I'll be like, how could you tear me away from my dog? And they would just be like, but your girlfriend can keep the dog. And I'd be like, no, 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 but I must keep the dog. Um, so looking to get a dog. Alexander, oh. we must do a recap for anyone. Who might be for some reason uh, they, they, the the last ninety nine episodes of this they were like yeah. eh, maybe 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 I won't check those out but episode one hundred I guess they're in it for the long haul I should check it out so you might be wondering why we are doing this well in season one we were chronologically reviewing Tom Hanks's entire IMDb and the reason for that oh how much detail am I going to go into here um jamie it's episode 100 okay go into i think detail. i think i need to do all i think but, i need to do all season one and season two full law uh it will take me 10 minutes can i can i just quickly do a previously on voice okay go previously on blank spec <laughs> uh so in season one we were chronologically doing tom hanks entire mdb because well, it was around about October 2019, and me and Al were walking down Regent Street, and we saw a trampoline. <laughs> what a what a start to a, what a start to a story. Um, we saw a trampoline, and uh, being the bouncy boys that we were, we uh, we jumped on, and everyone around us went bounce, bounce, bah! as we were suspended in midair. And they looked up above. Uh, I I think I think. There may have been a like, is it is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's an alien spaceship. I'm not sure. As we have always said, um, there's not uh, inconsistencies in our stories here. You know, we it's just happened a long time ago. This was October 2019. How do you expect us to remember every single detail? Yeah, anyway, on, it was a it was a tractor beam from an alien spaceship. Uh, they they beamed us up, uh, Scotty, uh, up onto there, uh, and they started conversing with you. Uh, I had no clue what was going on, uh, mm. but then they uh, threw a little uh, a little pin at me, and I just jabbed it straight into my ear, and it turned out to be a translator pin. Didn't know that at the time. It was very fortunate. Uh, and I subsequently learned that they were speaking the language Swahili, which, of course, you have been speaking since birth. Mm-hmm. And they explained that they were from the United States of Space. And... A planet called Flomatron 8 had recently gone through a process called Flexit. Now, uh, that, of course, was... uh, Oh, God, there's so much here. Um, Their leader... Trevor Tramron, who holds the position small boy, bitch boy of of Flomatron 8, uh, 
um, had announced, had flexed his guns and said, we out bitches. And that was their official exit from no, the United no, States of space. But there is, a, no, I know Jamie, I'm telling Jamie. this out of order. There's the voting process before that, which you can tell them about, Alexander. Okay, so very specifically, uh, when they want to hold a plebiscite uh, in Plumatron 8, what they do is everyone gets on a trampoline. One person gets on a central trampoline and bounces up and yep. down and poses the question to everyone else yep. who wants to vote. Everyone else gets in uh, on other trampolines and concentric circles going out from the person. I um, don't remember these details. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this definitely happened. And they say uh, it's... Bounce, bounce or, or bing. bing. Yeah, sorry. Um, I th- th- those, are, those are the, the, yes, the binary choices for yes. uh, a referenda. Bounce or bing. So they say bounce or bing uh, and bing. Everyone, they went, okay, yes, we're going to do it. All right, all right. They proposed the question, should we leave the United States space? And everyone went, one, two, three, bounce. Yeah, no, no. It wasn't, it wasn't like sleep. a 5248. This was this was 100% supported to leave the United States of space. Which, Jamie, even if it was 5248, that just means everyone wanted it, okay? That means you can't complain, <laughs> okay? That's, that's the point where 48 Yeah, no, no, they, they won. They, 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 and so uh, the, the process for Flexit was taking yeah. a little while, but these aliens, they wanted to find a replacement for Flomatron 8. It's like a one-in-one-out system, like at a club in the United States of space. Um, and so they needed us to prove our worth. And so uh, we uh, said that we could do that by presenting them the works of our greatest human. Uh, And they said, well, who's that? And so we looked at each other in unison and said, Tom Tom Hanks. Hanks. You never get it. I just said it. <laughs> you were perhaps it there is, is a zoom, del- there but is you were a half a second delay. <laughs> There is a zoom. What I love is uh, when you want to do things at the same time, but really what that means is that I need to anticipate that <laughs> you want to do it even more. So not yes, only because exactly. on my on my timeline, Jamie, we perfectly said it in unison. Oh, uh, well, I'm glad. We'll see. We'll see what happens in the edit bay. <laughs> I have the power, Alexander. <laughs> I could make you look like a fool. Um, so uh, it is around about this time that Al got a little bit distracted because he saw uh, the younglings of these uh, this race, uh, which just so happened to look like baby Yodas. Uh, and uh, Al went uh, what we've come to describe uh, full Anakin Skywalker on mm. their asses, absolutely decimating uh, dun, dun, the entirety dun, dun, of this dun, dun, Baby Yoda dun, dun, dun. Um, population. Now, yeah. it is at this point that we do have to say, I'm magic. Mm. I, I buried the lead a little bit, but I am magic. Uh, and I have resurrection powers. So I saw Al do this and yeah. thought, oh, that's not ideal. That's probably going to put us in a little bit of hot water. Yeah. Uh, so I brought them back to life. Yeah. But Keely, my res And... This is a point that we probably do have to bring back with season two and discuss the the ramifications of this because very famously my uh, resurrection magic doesn't bring back memories. Yeah. So all of these baby Yodas now were, I believe they were fifty years old, but that's that's like still babies. Baby that's still yeah. very young for this uh, for this race. Mm-hmm. They live for for thousands thousands of years. So they are fifty years behind in their cognitive development. Sure. Uh, there's an entire generation of baby Yodas that just don't have those formative years. Uh, but fortunately, 
<laughs> we were back on track. Uh, and so we were we were like, yeah, Tom Hanks, we're going to do it. And they were like, sweet. Can, should we just go watch some right now? And we they, were didn't like, uh, they didn't see us kill yeah, them. They didn't see us kill them. Yeah, they didn't see us I sort of went, look the other way. <laughs> and, then, yeah. and then we came back a little bit sweaty, but like back to normal. <laughs> uh, just like, I just had okay, a lightsaber yeah, now. It. it was great. Um, okay. And they were like, yeah, cool. Should we just go watch some of uh, Hanks' films right now? And we had a quick skim through IMDb and thought, oh, fuck. Some of these look like they suck. And we were like, just give us a hot sec. We're going to go and we're going to create create the Hanks Bank, which is the collection of TV shows and movies we're going to present to you, the aliens, to prove our worth to join the United States of Space. And that's what we did in season one. We went through and we created the Hanks Bank. But at the end of season one, well, didn't quite work out. They weren't convinced. They don't think that that was enough to join the United States of Space. And we did forget, just before we jumped out the uh, the alien spaceship, sorry, they did say, by the way, uh, if you're not successful, we are going to blow up the entire planet, um, which kind of made the stakes pretty high. Uh, and, and they sort of kept their promise. They, they, they uh, Armageddoned uh, a lot of the world, but not everyone. Just everyone that doesn't listen to this podcast. Uh, so whoa, that whoa. is where we... And they also... Course, and they also... No, no, so... Oh, my God. Oh, Jamie, well, how Jamie, am I supposed to remember get, this, Alexander? He's, he's the, as we it's, know, it's true. As we all know, Jamie uh, died. Okay, so died. we have, I we died. Have to, we have I to died for a month. That's why about, we didn't release a uh, for a month of episodes between yeah. season one and season two. In order to punish me, they killed uh, about ninety-five percent of the population of the Earth. Okay. So yeah. and and the other five percent. Wow, our listenership is five percent no, of the Earth. You Fuck wish me. because the other five percent of the Earth they turn into raccoons. Um, oh yes, of course, sentient raccoons. So at this point, uh, it's just me and the raccoons out in the wasteland because they want to punish me very specifically. And I'm sitting there like the Pieta, and I'm holding Jamie in my hands as he, as he dies tragically, and he's like. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, Canada sucks. And I'm like, shut up, Jamie. <laughs> and he's like, keep doing the podcast. And I, I looked Jamie in the eyes and I said, I can't do it without you, bud. Jamie looks me in the eyes and he goes, you have to. And he dies. Okay, it's very sad. And that drives me a little insane. And you might ask, how did I get back to the UK to hold Jamie in my arms? Doesn't matter. The aliens took us up into space, idiots. Mm-hmm. Um, we were doing this in space. So I, I reached into Jamie's robes looking around. because, And this is very important to know is that Jamie actually went to London's number one turf-free school of witchcraft and wizardry. Um, <laughs> so that's why Jamie's so good at magic is because he did go to a, a, a local wizard school. <laughs> local wizard school um, which doesn't like turfs and um I, I looked in his pockets for all his junk and i'm no good at magic so as we all know i screwed up magic pretty big okay and yeah. jamie as a you know a qualified uh wizard or witch um uh ha- you know he he knows all the stuff off by heart but i found in his pockets a resurrection spell Okay, it was on a scroll. It was a, a scroll made of human flesh because, as a resurrection sca- spell, it's got to be on something pretty spooky. Okay, we're messing with the laws of living and dead here. Okay, the thing which does is gonna be pretty <laughs> spooky. And I went great. I I I speak Latin because, of course, I went to university. This is true. I went to university to do Latin and Greek, so I was like, God, great. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, you, why, why did you feel the need to say this is true, Alexander? Everything we've been saying thus far. Oh yeah, true. of course, everything is why, true. Why why need to call? But um, unfortunately, my my Latin and or Greek uh, is a little bit rusty. Uh, as I stopped doing it at university and changed to do something else after a while uh, and because of that I kind of screwed it up now on the plus side people retain some of their memories of their past lives 
Okay. Okay. So, so, so you were able to change that part of my magic by screwing it up. Okay. By on, screwing it up on the downside. But you also, I also believe you imbued it specifically in the podcast. Yes. You imbued that magic well, into the podcast. So, so the I, only I, way... I had my magical iPhone, yeah. my magical iPod, not even iPhone. I my iPod Nano from uh, 2006, <laughs> and I, I took out the headphones. Like I put the magic was in here, and it was, a, it was glowing, uh, evilly red. And um, because, of course, the, the aliens have put a uh, raccoon spell on the world, that's also out there. And in the same way, they uh, brought people back 5%. Uh, they, they made 5% of the human population raccoons, uh, my mortal enemies. Um, their magic interacted with my magic. And I put these earpods into the, the, the head of dead Jamie. Because, and as we all should know, uh, when Jamie dies, he does want to be buried listening to podcasts. Um, just in case, you know, like, just in case he's buried alive, he wants to make sure he's listening to podcasts, so if he wakes up underground, he has something to listen to, uh, while he slowly suffocates, uh, and I thought, okay, we're gonna do this, and I put it in, and it brought back, Jamie back to life, I, I thought the magic had, hadn't worked, but in fact, uh, the podcast had been imbued with resurrection magic, and it can bring back people killed by the aliens, no one else though, we tried it out, we went to, yes. we yeah, went to Abraham Lincoln, yeah didn't save yeah. him only specifically works for people who were canonically killed in the armageddon that happened between season one and season two additionally uh, i didn't quite come back uh, my whole self uh, i did come back 15 percent raccoon mm-hmm. uh so when when they come back they they are themselves they they do maintain their their memories because al fucked it up uh but in a good way but he also fucked it up in a bad way and you come back 15 percent raccoon you know it hasn't affected my life that much I scurry through garbage a little bit more. I speak sometimes in a slightly higher pitched tone. But, you know, in general, yeah. pretty chill. Some, sometimes your opinions are trash. That's okay. Yeah, Just that's like raccoons. fine. <laughs> yeah, raccoons famously have trash opinions. They do. Um, they just go around so, being like, my favourite season of Game of Thrones is season eight. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I, I would like to make it clear that that is not my opinion. <laughs> um... <laughs> Uh, of all the things that have been said thus far, that is the one thing I want to make clear is not true. You just go um, around being like, I really love the romance between Jamie and Cersei. That's, that's my favourite <laughs> bit of Game of Thrones. Not uncomfortable at all. And so we have begun our adventure on season two, where we are chronologically mm-hmm. viewing Anne Hathaway's IMDb. Not to discover films that will uh, let us join the United States of Space, but to discover the films that will galvanise humanity to fight back against the aliens. Uh, mm. It's not going great so far, I'll be honest. <laughs> we, we found a couple here and there, uh, but, but humanity's not exactly that galvanised. And additionally, of course... Uh, the uh, canonically anyone who is listening to the podcast I, I don't know why we've told them all this information because yeah. they already know it all they are the only people yeah. left alive uh, so that means canonically as we have established uh, Taylor Swift uh, is a listener of this podcast mm-hmm. that she was able to release her second album Evermore uh, Tom Hanks Joe Biden and Kamala Harris all canonically listen to this podcast as they were able to have the inauguration special, which we reviewed. Uh, who knows who we might learn else might still be alive. Um, I believe the people who make the PlayStation 5 uh, still alive. Great. Yeah. Good on them listening to the podcast. Thank you, and Shuna, you, of course, you can... <laughs> we, we appreciate you that you listen to this podcast. You know, we like the work you've done. 
Uh, especially with the Sony Indies, okay? I don't have a PlayStation 5 if you want to get me one. That's why this is so hard to get them, Jamie. It's because everyone making them is dead. Yeah, um, absolutely. So it's just Yuhei Yoshida in a van somewhere, just putting them together <laughs> and then throwing them out to scalpers. And um, hopefully, it being our 100th episode, you know, we're going to get a big bump. We're going to at least, like, double the world's population. Oh, that's yeah. <laughs> that's going to be great this week. So with that... <laughs> With my heart out, we've just lost everyone. Looming ever in. closer, we brought in like a hundred people, and then they had to listen to twenty minutes of us. Yeah, they're already the gone. They're world. already gone. So now, now only the hardcore fans are left in for us to dryly describe the plot of a film for half an hour. So before we do that, I'm going to remember that I've got a segment, which is of course top of the bops where i will tell you what was the number one single in the uk when this film the devil wears prada was released on the 6th of october in 2006 and it is a classic this week alexander it is the scissor sisters i don't feel like dancing which we can listen to now Yes, I, I, I don't think uh, our our top of the bops have been that top thus far. No. But that right there, that is you... a prime tune. That gets us in the mood to talk about The Devil Wears Prada. And Alexander, it is therefore your film context. What can you tell me about this seminal Meryl Streep masterpiece. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm on IMDb because apparently I, I thought I had, but apparently it didn't come up on IMDb. One second. I'm really um, glad you're, you're super prepared. Oh, Jamie, it's a hundredth episode. If I didn't come into this prepared, it'd be really embarrassing. Okay, it's great that we had all these special bits that we did for the hundredth episode. I love that we, you know, it's it's great. You know, it's it's very special. It's very special. Um, of course, The Devil Wears Prada, 2006, is uh, you know favorite movie. Uh, in which Meryl Streep traumatizes a young Anne Hathaway. Um, mm-hmm. It is depressing that Anne Hathaway in this film is meant to be younger than us by ooh, about four years. Yep. Uh, you know, d- that 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 makes me slightly mad. Uh, directed by David Frankel, uh, written by uh, Aileen Brosh McKenna, uh, uh, who uh, is also the co-creator uh, of uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, um, a great tv show which if you haven't seen you should it you know about two and a half seasons of one of my favorite tv shows ever and then it becomes super dark and kind of weird but i love it um it stars uh, anne hathaway of course as andy a young brown graduate who just wants to go out there and write journalism without going to do a journalism course at university uh and it stars as meryl streep as uh not anna winter uh, you know, yep, very important. Not, not Anna Winter. Not Winter. This is not Vogue. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, the movie came. Uh, the movie cost about forty million dollars, uh, which is quite a lot for this kind of film. I assume it's just that, and uh, the Meryl Streep just costs a lot of money to do. Yes, stuff. it was also um, the it had a lower budget, and then it kept on increasing due to a costuming uh, and b. Uh, they were apparently they weren't originally allowed to um, shoot uh, internationally in Paris, uh, and then they spent like two weeks trying to make those scenes work. Showed them to the executives, and they were like, "Wow, these scenes suck." Uh, okay, we'll give you more money. You can go to Paris. 
Uh, Except Meryl Streep can't go because she's too expensive to fly to Paris. Wait, actually? Yeah. <laughs> oh, look, look, guys, I have to. I hate to break it to you, but um, the uh, IMDb, not the IMDb page, the Wikipedia page for the production of this film is legitimately about 10,000 words. Oh, it's way too long. It's it, way and, too long. And I normally have about 600 words in me to read for these sections. So it's important to know that, like, the, here are the main key points about the Neverwest Prada. Um, it's based on a well, book. It was made for $40 million. Yeah, it was uh, based on a book. Made for $40 million. million. How much made $350 million back. Yeah. So obviously did yeah, this, real well. This thing did gangbusters. And this is why, again, guys, my important thing, how about we don't make movies that cost $200 million? Stop making movies that cost $200 million because then you need to make a billion back. I know you all like a billion, but just make cheaper films, okay? Make cheaper films, get paid. It's always great. Yeah, a um, billion dollars is cool, but you know what's even cooler? Just like 100 million. That's, yeah, like, like, that's like, like still pretty fucking chill. Yeah. Um, Do you ever hear the, there's like a Watsky, like, kind of freestyle version of, um, uh, I don't know, in Paris? Um, mm-hmm. uh, in, would you I have not with, heard it. Oh, it's good. It's good. It basically just ends with like, um, with the line, like, what's 50 grand to a motherfucker like me? Can you please remind me to which Watsky stops? Turns around and goes, that's a life changing amount of money to most people. <laughs> like, that's, that's a lot of money for most people. <laughs> Um, and yeah, and so, that is why Kanye deserves the divorce he's going through. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. Just, um, the No More Parties in LA for Kanye now just lives out in Wyoming. Um, but yeah, so based on the book by Lauren Weisberger, not even necessarily the book so much as the book proposal. This is very funny. The producers of the film read the book proposal for the Devil's Prada when, holy crap, this sounds great. I don't know how these people just get book proposals. And they're just like, this is an idea for a book. Yes, well, I'll buy it before what? it's even written. Um, <laughs> she wrote the, they bought it. She wrote the book. The book did very well. Um, Lauren Weisberger worked for about ten months as uh, Anna Winter's assistant. Um, it's it's clearly it's not about Al. I don't know what you're talking about. It's not about Anna Winter. Shut up. About, <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, that's just an unconnected fact. Um, she was also, I think, a graduate from. I think she might have graduated from Columbia, but um, she's from Scranton, Pennsylvania. Oh, uh, that's fun. Also, uh, as fellow podcast listener Joe Biden does. Hi, Joe. Uh, <laughs> you know, glad you're out there uh doing that um hey joe can you like just just while while we have you joe can you just like do a little bit better like i'd like i didn't have great expectations for you going in but like you're not doing great so far like not you seem he's doing dead average right he's (laughs) you know he's getting there it's just that uh the wheels of government grind slowly okay and the wheels of the u.s government grind incredibly slowly like Joe, if if you could just possibly not be um who we all expected you would be, if I could just be, could you just not be you, like for hey, for just like done, a month or so? He's, he's doing okay. He's 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 <laughs> trying to again. I I maintain this. The uh, U.S. government is the dumbest system of government at all. Oh yeah. If your if your government is designed around, hey, how about we make it really difficult for people to do anything? It's a stupid system of government. Yeah. So um, it suits the people it governs. Yeah. Hey fuck all you American listeners, eat my British dick. And here's our number one hit, American idiots. What a song. Oh, wow, you, know you bailed on that so quick. <laughs> I, I, I always find it really funny that, like, that song means one thing inside of America. It means a very different thing if you're, like, 2005. <laughs> like, for everyone else, it's like, hmm, the Iraq War, we hate it. Like, I think it maybe is about Iraq War for both people, but in very different ways. I don't think Americans like that. Non-Americans really like that song. 
<laughs> surprise, surprise. The book uh, was on the New York Times bestseller list for six months. It was her debut Jesus novel. Jesus Christ. Um, I wish, you know, you know what? I wish everyone's debut novel could be on the bestseller list for six months. That would be great. Um, it kind of went through a thousand different uh, kind of rewrites in the stage before it got to Alien Bosch McKenna, who based some of it off her own experiences trying to work in journalism. Um, again, do I need to know as much detail as it gives? No. It has an entire section on the sweater speech. Um, oh, actually- yeah, no, there's a, an entire speech uh, on the, the, the speech that you... Um- uh, we're parodying at the top the uh, oh as a colorblind person I have I, I apparently not only cannot see color I have forgotten colors what's the color cerulean, cerulean. Uh, cerulean the whole speech the and, 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 yeah they've got a whole story about how it wasn't going to be in there but then Meryl mm-hmm. Streep really wanted it in there and then the writer wasn't even sure she was working on it in Starbucks round the corner even five minutes before it was ri- filmed it's it, it yeah the I think I think there's one like uber obsessed fan who is just like I'm going to just dedicate my life to creating the oral history slash not oral type down history but of Devil Wears Prada. That's the thing I love about this is that like it's not even that interesting a production. It just seems no, to it's be not. it was a movie and choices were made. It's not yeah, like exactly. the, sh- the making of The Shining, which like you know was clearly an awful process for a lot of people involved. It was just you know they made a film. Mel Streep as you said before uh, we came onto the podcast uh, apparently Mel Streep said oh you're perfect yes. for this role and that was the last that's the last nice thing I'll say to you during the entire production of It's Anne Hathaway yep. uh, yeah it seems she was um, I, I, yeah it, it seems she I might be overstating it but from the brief amounts that I've seen, it seems she was a bit of a dick on set in trying to remain in character and be like, I want I want people to fear me because I'm playing the character that people should fear. But you know what? Maybe just don't be a dick, Meryl. Like, maybe whoa, just whoa, whoa. don't be a dick. Here's I'm like, thing. that's a really dickish thing to say to a, like, fine, Anne Hathaway is relatively established at this point, but she's a young actress. She looks up to Meryl Streep greatly. It's a really mean I, thing to say. I, I don't know. Because I think there's a difference between, I think there's, a, for, for me, it depends, right? On the scale of method acting and the method. Yeah, it, it's nowhere near as bad as, as... So, very famously, one of the examples is, I think it's in Kramer versus Kramer, with um, uh, Dustin Hoffman, I think just screaming and, at Meryl Streep and stuff before scenes yeah. to be like, and then justify it by saying, oh, well, you need to get the right you know emotion and stuff. And like, that's on the scale of, or like, that's that, that's just abusive. Like that's, that's I, I would maintain poor acting where like, unless you've explicitly agreed consent between both acting partners and that you've, you know, if you, if you both agree that, hey, we want to push each other, we really want to do this. That's one thing. If you don't both explicitly agree to that, then you're just being an abusive um, scene partner, and that's that's yeah. poor acting. And well, it's not actually poor acting. It is, it is just being a poor shitty human being. Uh, Jamie, uh, we've actually never talked about this. How do you feel about sending uh, used condoms to castmates like Jared Leto in the hit <laughs> film Suicide Squad? I, I'm I'm glad we are finally getting the opportunity to delve into this topic, Alexander. Once again, I am so happy to be talking about uh, condoms and cum on a podcast that I know your mother listens to. <laughs> I, we don't know. We don't know. My mom listens to it. I, I like to leave she turns off. Look, I, I will again maintain either she listens to it, and that's a very strange decision for her to make. Or she doesn't listen to it, but constantly tweets about it, which is also a very strange decision whoa, to whoa, make. Whoa, whoa, that's not, I'd that is exactly what former. a mum would do, okay? A mum goes out there and just, you know, promotes you whether or not she likes the thing you're doing or not, uh, which I appreciate that. So mum, good name for the dog. 
Um, uh, hilariously, <laughs> the story I do like is the idea that Anne Hathaway wasn't really wanted for the film originally. Yes, in fact, uh, breaking news, Alexander, uh, trending on Twitter today was Anne Hathaway because she revealed on uh, RuPaul's Drag Race that she was ninth in line to be the main character in this film. Ninth. Now, whether that's true or not, whether it's been exaggerated, um, if it's true... That's a really mean... Like, why would she... Why does she know that? Like, who has told her that? And well, why have they bothered telling her that? I, I think it's... it's. I think some of the time, it's just known because, like, an offer will be made to someone else. A contract should be sent out and they just won't, like, do it, I assume. Or maybe it's yeah. just, like, agents know like, that like, kind of thing. I, like, I get, I get her knowing she wasn't the first choice. Like, those yeah. things can come out. If she has the number nine, that means someone has specifically told, told her, her at some eight, point that it was that there Jamie, were eight other people. You say someone. Uh, it's very clearly Meryl Streep. Uh, Meryl Streep <laughs> sat there and just before a scene went over and went, eight other girls sat in the seat where you are. And you're everyone's <laughs> and last I friends. have devoured them yeah. all. Um, I wonder what will happen with you. <laughs> the story which I love, and again, I have never been a fan of Anne Hathaway hate. Uh, when pe- there was a period from 2012 to 2016 uh, where people just shat on Anne Hathaway. And you know yeah. what? You all suck. That was a bad choice back then. It's a bad choice now if you still hate Anne Hathaway. However, this story kind of plays into that, which is, uh, so in Seeking the Part, she traced the words, hire me in the sand of the Zen Garden on the, uh, <laughs> the, 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 the casting director's desk when she talked about the project, which yeah. uh, is exactly that kind of thing that would have in the past pissed people off about Hathaway. Yeah. But seemingly I mean, people I mean, just didn't so, know. Seemingly, yeah, she, uh, like, she seemed to be actively seeking out this yeah. role. And I think we can understand why, because this is her first big obviously she was in Brokeback Mountain but she wasn't a large role in that film this is a her first big non-child role this is her first big I'm playing an adult I am in my mid-20s now and I am playing someone who is comfortably in their mid-20s now Princess Diaries 2 she's like 20 supposed to be 21 just graduating from college but it's still very much a youthful film and this is this is a the the biggest yeah. main role departure we have seen from her. And and again, it kind of mentions it here. I think the studio didn't necessarily realize like the fan base that Anne Hathaway brought with her coming out of those films. Oh, um, yeah. And I think that is some of it. Like I think part of the reason of the success of this movie is that Meryl, for older audiences, you know, obviously this is a film like aimed largely at women, but I think for older female audiences, Meryl Streep brings you in, and for younger female audiences, I think Anne Hathaway brought people in and yeah. i think that just ended up being a like you know a, a dream double casting because of that i think it's really good and Obviously, then for you know like mid-20s male audiences they just had to make a podcast yeah. where they're obligated to watch it now now jamie uh you know okay apparently in hathaway is annoyed that she was ninth in line for the role of andy but do you know that allegedly according to this book we have in uh wikipedia <laughs> over 100 actresses were considered for emily before emily, emily Blunt was Blunt. cast although uh, as yeah. the, the name was obvious um i got into an argument with my flat like a fairly heated argument with my flatmate about this last week who do you think is the bigger actor emily blunt or john krasinski her, her husband oh uh, i'm not saying more famous i'm not saying more famous i'm not saying more i'm just saying who's the bigger actor wait what no what then what does bigger mean if not more famous if you were so 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 my, my question is like who do you think in terms of acting like the roles they have done the in terms of like how easy you think it would be for them to get a major role in a film 
Who do you uh, think well, has the well, well, if you're if you're relegating it specifically to film, then it has to be Emily Blunt because John Grzynski has famously struggled okay. to fully break into the film, film. world. Yeah. Whereas I would say, due to his TV roles, he is a more famous person than uh, than Emily Blunt. He's so I've been thinking about this, but but I would say Emily Blunt has more prestige within the industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think Emily Blunt is. I was having this big, like, not again, not not deeply heated, but like fairly heated argument. Where yeah, no, you just like kicks the shit out of each oh, other. Oh, I just said, <laughs> shut up! You don't know what you're talking about. Um, just really aggressively, and uh, then she cried, and then I cried, and that's where we are now. But um, I, I, I think my thing is, I think because of I find it really weird with the American Office how much it's way bigger now than it ever was on TV. Like, well, yeah, the Netflix was, effect. Well, exactly. Even things that are like. Friends on Netflix, people, you know, when when that first came on back on, obviously had a really big boost. But like yeah. Friends, when it was on TV, was fucking ma- like at its peak, was, huge anyway. was incredibly yeah. huge. Was actually one of the last like everyone watched this TV show kind of TV shows. And the American Office, you know, for the for its peak seasons, was well watched, but was not anything like its uh, afterlife on um, streaming services, which I I find interesting. I think that's going to die off the other way. Emily Blunt, in terms of like, I think, yeah, I th- I think in terms of Hollywood, I think Emily Blunt is a bigger actress. Like, yeah. Emily Blunt has been uh, has, has has led more films, has been bloody Mary Poppins, you know. Like, yeah. whereas John Krasinski has, or oh, had this argument with, actually with 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 them. Do you think that uh, Jack Ryan, the Jack Ryan TV show, do you think anyone watches that? Oh, because no, 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 no. I've I'm never heard a single I, I'm, I'm convinced it. it's a fucking tax relief scheme. <laughs> um, yeah, for, for, for a TV show that I'm fairly sure has like four or five seasons, mm-hmm. uh, like I, I don't know anyone who has ever watched a single minute of it. Yeah. Alexander, we I must, we must this, carry yeah, on. We're, we're going to we'll just call it that because there's, there's However, too much However, you, you, you have not mentioned one of the other cast members that we must lay credit to, the Tooch. Stanley Tooch is, of course, in this movie. And that leads Tooch, us on Tooch. to um, Six Degrees of Tom Hanks, yeah. of course, which is really one. easy for this film in two ways. Yeah, I can do it once. Yeah, I can do it one twice as well. Um, this is our. Uh, attempt to link ourselves back to season one where we try to connect these movies that Anne Hathaway is starring in with movies that Tom Hanks has starred in by virtue of people in those movies. Uh, you take one of them, I'll take the other. Sure, There's Sammy Tucci is uh, most well known really for his role as uh, the guy who runs the airport in the terminal. Oh, you t- how dare you take my favourite film as, as your one. And of course, Meryl Streep uh, is in The Post with Tom Hanks. So, uh, really close connections to Tom Hanks in this one. But with that, we must get into this film. A film which you warned me you thought I would hate. Uh, as did my girlfriend, uh, as did most people I spoke to. Um, I, I, it, it was not hyped for me as as my kind of movie. Let's say yes. Oh no, it's definitely it's definitely not what anyone would think of as your kind of movie. And I got to throw it out there, okay? Before I rewatched this film, I hated this film. Maybe Ooh, because the last maybe because the last time I watched it, I was like twelve. Um, uh, yeah, that's that's not going to help. No, but I before I watched it, I was like, this is boring. I think all the characters are awful, and I don't think any of the jokes are funny. 
Now, I still think all the characters are awful. I still think it's boring <laughs> in places, but I find it a lot more funny than I did the first time around. So let's get into yeah, talking I, about Well, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll get into it clearly. Fuck, we are 40 minutes into this episode. So we're going to go through this plot quickly because I actually think we'll have a lot of, to say in the discussion part of this. Uh, so let's see if we can as best as possible power through it, which means I'm going to be watching Lord of the Rings at 2 a.m. tonight. Um, <laughs> but yes, before we, we will, of course, get onto it. But uh, I, I, this was pitched to me as a comedy, and I'm not sure. <laughs> it's it's uh, a it kind of is. Um, it, this it, film it begins as all good films should uh with a university graduate uh falling upwards okay she's failing <laughs> up she's really mad that she's not at the new york times yet uh but annie's got an interview with runaway uh which we're just gonna call vogue from now on because it's vogue yeah. Uh, she's shown up, she's, uh, dressed like Marianne and normal people, uh, she looks like Marianne and normal people, because it's Anne Hathaway, uh, and, uh, she doesn't really want to be there, you can tell from the get-go, she thinks, uh, that Vogue is beneath her. Now, again, she's, like all university graduates, we've all fucked up some interviews, I've definitely fucked up several interviews, uh, she has done literally no reading on the company she's working for. In yes, fact, yeah, no, this is, this is the worst Vogue. performance I have ever seen for a fucking uh, interview. She rocks up and uh, Emily Blunt uh, in a recurring theme, dressed horribly. I've been told, I've been told that it's the point, but I'm sorry, oh, no, they, all, I, they all work at fucking I, fashion, I, maybe it's just that it's aged poorly i just but, think it's uh, no it's, it's it's because it's the year 2000 jamie i'm not sure if you remember this but human the like fashion in the early 2000s specifically like 2000 and like one to 2006 was absolute garbage was but it's was not even so just bad. the clothes like it is the clothes it's the but makeup. it's not just the clothes it's the, it's the uh, like extremely heavy eyeshadow that's uh, emily blunt it, it is a disservice uh to emily blunt in this movie yeah. um uh, but yeah so, so she's she dressed horribly up, throughout she's this movie. like i don't even read vogue but i did a report on the janice's union which won an award and uh to, to emily blunt emily blunt's like you're not good enough no a million girls would kill for this role and uh at which point uh meryl streep goes come in here child she comes in uh, they interview meryl streep barely talks uh, she barely looks yeah. at her. meryl streep looks you know just amazing uh you know she's she just looks to kill she's just got a lot of a lot of a vibe all right she's channeling she's not even really channeling anna winter she is channeling someone who could just murder you with a stare um yeah. and eventually uh, andy is sent away andy's like i'm not good enough for this role but i don't even like fashion so why would i want to work here she doesn't want to yeah, work here so she's she one go- of the big publications of the bloody world yeah she Shut goes up. and meets after that she goes and meets uh her friends at the pub uh who are the worst friends in the world um including her boyfriend so there's two people i want to note here firstly her boyfriend who i refuse to believe is not a fucking jonas brother this man is a fucking jonas brother and hollywood is lying to us Jamie, he just wasn't allowed Jamie. in the band so they gave him a different surname jamie first of all uh he's that guy from entourage uh, i think he's he called is turtle um, yes i've not he seen is, entourage so he is also turtle from entourage. he is also a jonas brother i refuse to believe he's not and you i also just, refuse to believe that, that all italian other... americans look alike all right that's what you're saying because you're just being italian americans they all no, look alike I'm, no very I'm handsome. No, fuck you he looks like a jonas brother fuck you i will not be gaslit on this he looks like a jonas brother and the other friend she has looks like richard kind has been like transported from when he was 20 into this movie for some reason that's true um, that's true richard and, kind to uh, got then she's also Pryor. got 
very different yeah. Richards. Um, <laughs> no, not Richard Pryor. Uh, and she's also got another friend. But they're all like, oh, why, why would you want to hear the fuel from that place? You wouldn't want to work there anyway. Oh, the fashion industry sucks. Um, Ooh, but she gets to a call the next morning. Ooh, slave labor uh, she, used to make yeah. clothes. Ooh, why would you want to work there? Um, why would you want to earn loads of fucking money? Why would you want to work for one of the most oh, no, powerful that, people? Jamie, we even skipped over it. She got the job before she even got to this party. Like, running downstairs, oh, Emily Blunt was like, you got the job. Um, oh, yes, yes. Yes, you're right. Uh, so this is before her first day. Yeah. Uh, she arrives on her first day the next day. Uh, she is wearing Dressed a, like a trash uh, cerulean blue jumper, uh-huh. uh, which will come in uh, handy. Uh, but basically, um, this this starts the theme of where I refuse to believe that any business could ever be successful in the way it is run like this, uh, because she turns up and no one tells her anything. Like she has no training. Like she, they know they know who they're hiring. They know that they've chosen to hire someone who knows nothing about the fashion industry and they just talking at her constantly they're like okay you got to go down to calvin you got to go and get the the pink skirts oh you got to go and do this you got to go and do that um she is not being helped at all um it is is this the when or is it so, later when she so, gets so the cerulean basically yeah, at this point she's in another meeting um someone asks andy for her opinion on something which you know bold i guess and he goes the exact these two belts are exactly the same who gives a shit it's just fashion no one cares to which meryl streep goes you think you have choice you think you're so brave and you come in here and you're not gonna wear decent clothes dressed like a hobo but guess what your hobo cerulean sweater was picked well, well, by no, me she said, three she years says, before you're not you're not you're not just wearing blue you're not wearing turquoise you're not wearing and at this point as a colorblind person i was like i'm already disattached from this speech she's just disassociating <laughs> in the corner um, just being like, she's wearing a blue, blue jumper um but she's specifically wearing a cerulean jumper and the cerulean was worn on the the, the runways of milan three years earlier and then it trickles down into so you might believe that you're not involved in fashion but you are darling um do we want to discuss this speech at this point or would you like to save it uh for a discussion at the end because it's obviously a, a very famous speech from it and i have Let's many thoughts it. about it Let's discuss it. okay so it's a very well written speech and it's it's fantastically acted by meryl streep but i don't understand who that speech is for and it's kind of links to what i don't understand who this film is for because it Women. feels like the film should. Or people like those. It feels like the film should be for me. Uh, you know, as as a straight white male, I think all films should be for me. Um, but no, it's the funniest it thing feels... you've ever said in the podcast. <laughs> West Bromwich feels like it should be for me. It no, I I can I can explain what I mean by that. It Jamie, feels you're wearing like a t-shirt it... with the word Jared Lehman on it. It's exactly, not for you. and I think this film therefore should, it like tries to pitch itself as being made as trying to legitimize. The fashion industry. What? So therefore, what? No, no, uh, no. I fully agree. I, I fully what? back that statement. Legitimize. That this, what do you mean by legitimize, Jamie? I mean exactly what she is saying in this speech. She is saying that there are people like Anne Hathaway who don't think that the fa- that the fashion industry is all vapid and it doesn't have any influence on their lives and that they need to just they can just completely step away from it and it doesn't have any effect on them. And so that speech is trying to say no. This the fashion industry permeates itself through your life it is absolutely required it is it is a necessary it is way more important than you think it is Anne Hathaway so if the film is trying to convince its main character of that 
it should also be trying to convince me of that as someone who doesn't believe in the importance of the fashion industry. I am I am fully on board with Anne Hathaway at the beginning of this film. So the film should be attempting to convince me as an audience member. Sure. But I feel like it is it is instead pitched for people who already believe what Meryl Streep is saying. My point about this speech is I think Meryl Streep is a wanker. I think oh, yeah, she's an yeah. absolute cunt. And just everything she's saying is the most hyper self-important bullshit, which is exactly what Anne Hathaway dislikes about. Sure. It's not a convincing speech is what I, I'm saying. Okay, so, so I will make... Here are my points. Okay. One, I think you're confusing importance with power i think potentially i think think the character of meryl streep uh feels that she's important in what she says i think she believes i agree with that that um that what she does is important and that it affects lives and then it brings benefits i think the movie believes that it's not necessarily important it is power that like okay i can i can i can vibe with that i think that that comes up later later. with 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 yeah with with later plot points so we can delve into that further so so basically like like this speech is about andy thinks she's better than the company she works for yeah and what this is about and what a a lot of like this movie about is in the kind of bdsm way is like submission and like dominance and it's that like actually she's the most powerful person in the room in pretty much any room she comes into or at least that's the kind of the vibe of the character so it's less so that like it's meant to be like you know uh, the the fashion equivalent of we help starving orphans in africa uh and more just the kind of uh the thing of you know like i, I am the I, I am a weapon of mass destruction i am i am the warhead i am the person who i, I am the one who knocks kind of speech <laughs> um yeah and i fully i will fully agree with you on that that it is effective in that manner sure i just don't think it, maybe maybe I am being unfair to the movie that it wasn't trying to do this, but I feel like the movie was trying to make me agree with the importance and and power of the uh, the fashion industry. And I don't know necessarily whether sure. it does that rather yeah, than I, just reinforce that opinion for people who already believe it. Sure. Um, OK, so after this point, uh, Andy is very sad. You know what, Jamie? OK, you are having your brewski. Uh, can you just round very quickly? It's yes, the 100th okay. episode. Uh, yes, it's, it's the 100th 9 episode. o'clock we my did, time. It's we, 9 o'clock I, somewhere, I was, Jamie. It's 9 yeah. o'clock here. I was waiting for Alexander to... Uh, we said we were going to open a beer at some point. Uh, I was waiting for Alexander to maybe do it when we started to discuss the uh, film. Um, he did not do that. Uh, so I took it upon myself uh, to open a beer to celebrate our 100th episode. And Alexander is now off uh, to his kitchen to get the uh, quote terrible beer that he put in the freezer uh, before this show uh, that means it has now been in there for an hour so i am interested to find out the state of this beer when he comes back but while i am vamping uh, for him to come back we can carry on with uh, this movie so, so she gets Jenny, thoroughly dressed down this beer, uh, it can't freeze because it's it can't freeze okay glacier fresh. microphone you speak it's glacier fresh okay you can give your review of the beer uh, in a minute uh, but uh, she uh, goes home and she's sad uh, and her boyfriend who is uh, the worst boyfriend um, is oh, uh, bas- is basically just he's the terrible. beer is terrible or the boyfriend is terrible oh both both good um so uh he's basically just being like oh you hate all of these people why do you care about their opinion why are you working for them additionally it is at this point that i want to say that this man is a chef 
and he makes a grilled cheese sandwich for her oh, late at night. And when he bites into it, I'm sorry, it literally goes... Like, this is the most burnt fucking yeah, grilled cheese sandwich. Like, like it's so crunchy. It's not a good crunch. I cannot stress how burnt this grilled now, cheese now, very clearly again, is. Alongside uh, my my uh, argument with my flatmate about uh, whether or not uh, John Krasinski is more or less uh, of a big actor than Emily Blunt, um, was an argument about this, in which... I, I would put forward to the listening audience, there are several uh, fatal flaws with this. One, as you mentioned, is really burnt. But hey, sometimes you make a grilled cheese sandwich and it's burnt. That's not necessarily the sole problem with it. Two, he's made a grilled cheese sandwich on whole wheat bread. Now, oh, I'm of this opinion, right? If you want to have a grilled uh, cheese Al, and chicken... Al, you're going to have to do this quicker. Okay, My heart you, out is you, plummeting towards If you want this. a grilled cheese and chicken, absolutely fine on whole wheat. Grilled cheese and tuna, like put some tuna in there. Anything else with the cheese absolutely fine to put whole wheat in that sandwich however if you're just making a pure grilled cheese you should only be using white bread right you should it should get rid of anything nutritious in there there's nothing nutritious in the thing you're making this is trash um so, yeah um, he, he sucks he's he a saucier sucks. he just um, makes sauces she, uh, Meryl Streep continues to mm. uh, abuse her in other way just like dumping shit on her yeah. desk constantly talking at her and not helping her and she after, then meets with her reading- dad no, we skipped over a couple of points. After the Cerulean speech, um, she meets... Uh, well, she's met Stanley Tucci before, but in the, after the Cerulean yes. speech, she cr- goes to Stanley Tucci crying, being like, Mr. Tucci, I'm real sad. No one likes me and I need to keep my job. Help me. And Stanley Tucci is like the editor at large. Okay, Stanley Tucci yeah. is like pretty big in this company. They've had a couple like sassy comments to each other, but yeah, he, he decides he to help her out. as close as there is to the right-hand man to Meryl Streep. Yeah, he's, he's her number two. Um, he decides to help her dress better. She starts dressing better. Um, you know, she gets bangs because it's two thousand six. Um, the bangs are. I, I, I would like to say that she does meet with her father before this, and I was correct. But whatever. Okay, uh, she meets with her dad, and uh, her dad is uh, is like, "Why are you doing this? You should be a lawyer." Oh um, yeah, no. Specifically, she got. It. Here's my problem. She got into like Columbia Law School. Okay, so she applied. Yeah got in and then was like i kind of really want to work for vogue and to be honest if i got into columbia law school i would go to columbia law school okay you know yeah I, I um, like but yeah so while she's at dinner with her dad um l street calls up and goes uh there's a fucking tornado and my flight got cancelled from miami to new york uh get but me a flight. my kid's got a recital tomorrow so uh get me back to new york bitch um unsurprisingly she does not do that uh because it was a tornado uh, and uh, Meryl Streep is just like mad. she's mad. She's oh, like, I, also, I didn't hire, I didn't hire you to be like the rest of them. I hired you because I thought you were smart. Whereas I, I normally all of my fashion interns are fucking morons. Apparently, <laughs> um, they're just like clothes. I thought you were going to be good at your job, but you're not. Yeah. During also so, during the scene where uh, she's trying to leave Miami, um, in the background there is the worst CGI storm I've ever seen. Oh uh, it, yes, it yeah, is yeah, so bad. Um, um, so yeah, she gets she her gets makeover. She gets bangs. She gets notes, coats, uh, and everyone at work is lingerie. like, ooh. Ooh, look at you Ooh, you look a little bit different um she, she then goes to meet her, her fr- yeah she, she she starts to care more about her job basically gets a free uh, stuff. she then goes and meets with her friends who again are the worst friends ever she is working she for gives- anna winter yeah. like i don't care about your opinions about the fashion industry she is working in an incredibly difficult to get and difficult to do and lucrative job 
and she gets oh, and all of her friends all of her friends are just like oh were you were so busy oh, oh are you working for Van Winter oh are you busy oh it's, it's worse than that it is she shows up to this bar she then gives her friends between I think one guy gets maybe like you know a couple hundred bucks worth of stuff one person gets like a Louis Vuitton bag which probably yeah. costs about 10 to 20k that is ex- those things are fucking expensive she's just given her friend a 20 grand gift and her friend is then absolutely shit to her when yeah, her boss yeah. calls her at work this yeah she calls her at work and they're like oh, oh do you need to answer the phone to your very important boss like al if tomorrow you like got a job as like the assistant to andrew lloyd weber and then i just started going oh were you a little tired alexander are you busy is sir andrew lloyd weber making your life difficult uh jamie <laughs> Not that I believe in lordships, but it's Lord Andrew it's Lord Lloyd Webber. Lord Webber. I'm very sorry. I, well, I no, clearly wouldn't Jamie, work as Lord Andrew Don't apologise to me. Apologise to the, the <laughs> genius behind cats. Well, he might be dead, so <laughs> we don't know. What? Canonically, we, we have no confirmation about whether he is dead in this podcast or not. God. Yeah, I really hope he doesn't die in the next two days. That would be really awkward. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she gets called away to a party. Uh, where she meets uh, a hotshot young designer. No, no, no. Um, uh, yeah, she meets him. She also meets the mentalist. Uh, <laughs> yes, she meets uh, a young writer who she uh, really, really admires. I say young; he's at least he's like, like thirty-eight. He's like he's um, like he's ten to fifteen years older than her. He yeah. writes for the New Yorker. He's like he writes for. He's kind of yeah. Just and one she's of those just guys like, oh, I love, I love your work. And he's like, oh, well, I, yeah. this film thinks I'm sexy, but I'm not. <laughs> no, Jamie, he's like, haha, my wife and children were murdered by Red John. I'm still out trying to solve their crimes. <laughs> it's very important, okay? He, specifically, he helps solve the crimes like Sherlock Holmes because he pretends to be a mentalist. Well, he pretends to be a psychic, but really he's a mentalist. If you think of the show Psych, but not funny... Uh, that's uh, the mentalist, which is a really good show. Uh, not as good okay. either, but good. Um, uh, so she she has to drop uh, something off to Meryl Streep's house. She's she's tasked a, book. a, a couple the of days book. later. It, a book. It, it's it's raised at the beginning of the film that when she is trusted, she will be responsible for bringing the book to her house every night. Oh, uh, we the also the mock-ups of. We the, also should have established the, the, early on at some point uh, that Emily Blunt, Emily Blunt in. Like, I think this film was well written, uh, but this was near the beginning of the film and it was a horribly written line where she was like, you answer the phones. I get to go to Paris, to the big Paris fashion show. Um, uh, it's a tor- horribly written line, but it's another thing that uh, will come up later. So yeah, uh, she's been trusted to to take this book to her house. Uh, she's told, look, you're going to get there. You're going to put uh, the coat in the, the, the cupboard on the left. Oh, no, no, you're going to put a goat in the cupboard opposite the stairs and you're going to put the book down on the table with the flowers. She goes in and there's two cupboards opposite the stairs and there's lots of tables with flowers on it. Nan Hathaway does a fantastic little face acting of, oh goodness, what am I going to do now? Um, but <laughs> she gets acting. helped. She gets helped. Also, by, most uh, of acting. <laughs> yeah. Um, she gets helped by Mel Shreep's grandchildren who are like, oh, it's the one on the left. No, they're not grandchildren. Up. Jamie, that's her children. That's her children? Yeah. How old is she supposed to be in this film? I worked it out. Meryl Streep will film in this was about 58 to 60. Um, and her kids are like The kids are like 10 to 12. It is 
nuts. Also, we missed the bit. Sorry, the reason why she gets this is because she also got the unpublished manuscript for Harry Potter Seven. Uh, that I don't. I don't. Yeah, yeah, think yeah. That that's before. That, that's def- that is, it's def- it's definitely Alex- before. Alexander, I hate to be polite about this all the time. I am staring at the Amazon Prime, scrolling through. I can see exactly what happens frame by frame in this movie so if much. I wish to. She has not yet got the manuscript. Then when does she do to piss her off? Because basically, like, she then pisses her off. Oh, no, no, I remember. No, it's, it's literally after this. It's exactly after okay. this. I apologize. So, she, yes, she does she, that. She, she then delivers. The kids, yes, are, she... the kids are kids. Shit. The kids are like, bring the book upstairs. She's like, I don't think I should. I was told explicitly what to do, but I'm not going to do and it. I, like, and, and I've been told not to be seen. I'm not allowed to be seen. Yeah. Um, but she makes her way up the stairs and very awkwardly, like, locks eyes with Meryl Streep. Yeah. So, yes, this is this is when she pisses her off. She's, she's been seen in her house. She kind of just puts the book on the floor and then leaves. Yeah. Uh, she comes into work the next day. Emily Blunt is like, what the fuck? You're going to get me fired. This You're is bullshit. Um, and Meryl Streep is like, come in. Oh, hello. Yes. I don't know why. I don't know why I'm doing yeah. a, a hey, British hello, accent. Because Anna Winter's um, British. Because it's Anna Winter. So, yes, you go, um, uh, hello. Um, no, no, it's absolutely fine. No, I'm not not angry with you at all. Um, if you could possibly get me uh, the Harry Potter book. Uh, my kids, uh, they, they've they been reading them and uh, they're about to go on holiday. So uh, they would like the Harry Potter book. And then uh, she goes, yeah, sure, I can do that. Um, I'll snip down to Barnes and Noble. And uh, Anna Winter goes, no, no, I don't think you understand. They've read all the published books. <laughs> so, so you, sorry, sorry. This is uh, 2006. This is what the seventh or eighth book in the Harry Potter so, franchise. There's only, there's uh, only seven books in the Harry Potter franchise. Okay, this this is well into the Harry Potter's. Yeah. Uh, this is well into Harry Potter's uh, fame and notoriety. Um, you want me to get the unpublished manuscript yeah. to Harry fucking potter yeah. um uh and so she starts a freak out uh meryl Sip is like well you know lots of people in the publishing industry i'm sure we'll be, we'll be fine um and so she calls... it, 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 there's a lot of yeah. tension in the scene jamie was playing that quite nice uh if i was to give him a note i would say do it again but bitchy um <laughs> and with the intent um, of this she wants an excuse to fire her yeah. um and uh, so, so she, she goes out she, she calls like around two hours and she calls get. her she calls her writer friend she calls the mentalist like, yeah, she calls the mentalist and uh, she's like, uh, look, I need it. I, you know, this no is not an answer. Um, Whoa, and, Jamie, uh, no she, is always an okay answer, okay? No is All always right. an okay answer. Um, she calls up her boyfriend uh, and is like, <laughs> I'm just going to quit. Help? Yeah, but, yeah. She, but she calls up her boyfriend and goes, I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. I'm being asked. This, I'm going to jump before I'm pushed. I'm going to quit. Which is bad. Always, always wait till you're pushed because that way you yeah, get... Yeah, then you get severance. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then a few minutes later, uh, she gets a call uh, and the mentalist is like, you're going to love me. Ha 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 ha. Flirtatious. I, I know someone who works as an illustrator for the, um, the uh, for this and was doking on the cover. So I've got you the manuscript. Um, I love it. So- I love it. It's that like the person's doing the cover. So they have the entire unpublished novel obviously um so she waltzes in uh and hands meryl street the manuscript and goes uh uh here it is uh it's bound it's it, the whole thing it's there for you uh i i i made the i made two copies so that both of them uh, oh no no she, no she makes one oh, three copies uh, yeah this yeah, yeah and she makes she makes one and she and then meryl street goes well what are my twins going to do with this and she goes oh no i already made two other copies this one's just for you just in case you lose one and Meryl Streep goes, well, that's 
great and all, but uh, where, where, where are the other two? I only see one. And she goes, well, they already fucking have it. They've got it on the train right now. What I, you shit. What I love even more, she's like, I've actually got them bound. Uh, it kind of, uh, I got them hard. She was like, I got them like hard bound. Uh, so as to not make it look like a manuscript. And then it cuts the kids, and it's literally these books with the yellow cover in front and Harry Potter 7, okay? Which is <laughs> deeply hilarious that they... She was like, oh, I made it less suspicious by making it the most suspicious thing ever. <laughs> if there were two yeah. kids walking around with manuscripts of Harry Potter 7 back in 2006, they would have got mugs. I know, we don't like JK Rowling at the moment. I know, she's full of horrible opinions which she should just keep to herself and maybe never utter them again so you know when the game comes out I can get what I always play wanted it, play but I can't it, get what I always free. wanted but anyway all I'm saying is back in 2006 if someone was walking around with a big thing saying Harry Potter 7 they were two twins and they were age 12 they would be mugged like you would just get <laughs> someone to punch you in the face steal that thing and run off um so uh yeah she's back in her good books uh they they're on a photo shoot you know she's getting more invested in her job yeah, she's her boyfriend as well she's that, that, that's that, that's gender language but like she's definitely becoming more there's um i think stanley tucci is like whoa watch it you know like they're they're at the scene she says something like snarky um and stanley tucci's like don't just become another like one of these fashion people i like you because you're you have a, a brain all right don't yeah. don't become bad um i honestly something happens over the, i'm looking at the i'm looking at the the, uh, the screenshots so it, and so i have no clue there are, there are a couple things that happen the next like, 10 minutes there are a couple things that happen all at once um like there's a uh there's the they kind of at some point like have a little bit more into the fashion stuff so they kind of show miranda seeing someone give like a private collection uh exhibit to her and they describe how miranda like gives her a scent with like a single mod or if she doesn't like it she shakes her head and she hates it she just purses her lips and that's kind of e- expressed there are more problems with her boyfriend i think around this point uh, a few things happen emily starts getting a cold yep um Emily's cold is. Uh, uh, we should say that Emily is Emily Blunt's character's name in the film as well. Uh, so Emily yeah. is Emily. Um, Emily actually played by John Krasinski. Kind of weird. But, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, there's more tensions with her boyfriend. Uh, but basically, what this builds up to, the important thing oh, is that she gets invited to Paris. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I, I'm not. Sure. Is this before or after? Oh no no no. So so I, I think the three things are this right. Like the first thing is she's she was going to go to a boyfriend's birthday party. Okay, because her boyfriend's birthday. It's the same day as the Met Gala. Okay? Yeah. They're throwing the Met Gala. Now, again, I had a big argument with... Again, this me, being this flatmate, which had a lot of arguments. If I worked for Vogue... I would. I really, I really want. I really want your flatmate to be Alyssa, and that you're just so angry with her after <laughs> these arguments that you've relegated her from sure. girlfriend. To no, it's the, it's, the, it's the amazing Lindsay, and, and this was uh, Lindsay shits on the films that I love, and therefore I shit the films that she loves. Except I'm not shitting. I'm agree. I, I'm basically saying Andy's an idiot. But if I worked for Vogue, and they were doing the Met Gala in the evening. And I knew my boss historically asked me a bunch of crap that was, uh, you know, unreasonable. I would maybe assume that I should tell my boyfriend there would be a chance in advance that I wouldn't be able to come to his birthday party. Yeah. Right? I, I think that's completely reasonable. In the same way yep. that if I worked for the Olympics committee and it was the Olympics opening ceremony that night, I even if I didn't have to go to the opening ceremony... I maybe just you know would keep my evening free because there's a chance. While, while I while I think that the boyfriend is a dick and a lot of the ways he expresses the things he says uh, are very 
Dickish. Dickish. Um, I would also feel a little bit miffed if my girlfriend that constantly mocked the fashion industry yeah, yeah. was now missing my fucking birthday, birthday to yeah. go to the Met Gala. So, well, yes, but I think this is a problem of expectations, and it, that's on Andy more so than it yes, is on absolutely. her job. Um, so Emily's getting kind of sick uh, because, like, uh, Miranda's like, I need you to come to the Met Gala because I need someone to whisper in, like everyone's name in my ear. So Andy's given a big, uh, and Emily's sick, and we don't want to get people sick, so you're going to come. Um, so uh, Emily, um, sorry, Andy's given a big book of everyone's faces. She memorizes everyone's faces in like an evening. She goes to the Met Gala. It's fun. It's fancy. She kind of likes it. She's seduced by this lifestyle. She likes feeling special and powerful, and there's something kind of hot about that. Um, at some point, she, she, she meets, meets she meets the mentalist again. They the mentalist shows up. I think they go back in for another drink. Um, to yeah, they, they, the the important part is that they flirt a little bit. That, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. That, we, you know create, where this is going, guys. It's a dramatic tension. Um, at this point, she then goes back to her boyfriend. Her boyfriend is pissed. Okay, and I want to blame this. Okay, it's partly Andy's fault, but also it's kind of partly the fault of uh, shitty friends. Who can you imagine if it was my birthday and Alyssa couldn't come? And we went out to a pub. I know for a fact that you would not let me go home until Alyssa was either showed up or at home. Like, you would at least keep out slightly longer than, like, 10 o'clock. Because he seems to have been home for, like, an hour or two hours. Yeah, yeah. They had a I crappy mean, birthday it... <laughs> party, and it's on his friends for throwing a crappy birthday party. Uh, you know, so he's yeah. kind of gloomy. Um, but we already know that all of his fr- all of their friends are dicks. Um, so yeah, he's unhappy. Uh, it is then the next day, and he's, he's uh, also slightly reasonable. He, he doesn't blow up at a. He's just he like doesn't. you said. You didn't like this job. It's okay to work a job you don't like, but you shouldn't go around being like, "Oh, this job's beneath me," and then also like turning into the person who turning like, into the person that yeah that you you didn't yeah. like. Um, it's the next he day. He's hiding uh, in the bathroom, she, which is weird. Yeah. I don't know why. He like, goes through um, the bedroom and then he goes into the bathroom, and I don't know why they show us going into the bathroom. Maybe he's having a sad <laughs> wank. Who knows? Uh, so, Happy birthday so ne- to me. Alexander. It's the next day. <laughs> she is told that she's going to Paris. Uh, and Emily wants to go to Paris. We haven't mentioned Paris before. Of course, there's the hit film. Yes, Emily, I did. I did. I remember. Remember? Sure, remember? I did, deliberately, I deliberately, specifically brought it back up because I knew this part of the movie sure, would come up, sure. and we needed now, to establish Jamie, it. In fact, this so was actually Emily the basis wants to be Emily in Paris. Paris, the TV show. Yeah, in fact, <laughs> that was so, that was like um, an ultimate Emily wants to go to Paris. Uh, but uh, Meryl Streep is like, you're going to Paris. Uh, also, you've you're got to tell Emily. Eat a dick. Um, yeah, so she goes. Do it. Yeah, do it. Yeah. So she calls up. She calls up Emily, and Emily's like, oh my god, I'm completely rushed off my feet. I had to go and get the scarves, and the scarves weren't there, and they were in pink instead of purple. Oh, goodness, yeah. but I'm on my way now. At this, uh, at this point, she's hey. become and he's become much better than Emily than her job. Yes. Uh, so, uh, hey, I just got to quickly um, tell you something. Um, I'm going to Paris instead of you. And Emily's like, what? And then she gets hit by a car. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's dark. <laughs> Uh, so um, Andy goes and visits her in hospital and Emily, Emily is just a little shit she's just like you don't even want to go to Paris all I want to do is go to Paris this is unfair I it's don't unfair. eat carbs you eat carbs and I don't eat carbs as she is stuffing a bread roll into her mouth that's a very funny line I liked that line that is good um, so I, I, uh, Emily yeah, Blunt this film is a delight okay she, she is. is Emily Blunt's very good great um, uh, despite her horrible looks all the way yeah, through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she is, she's much funnier than she looks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, she, sorry, she's exactly as funny as she looks in this film, because she looks funny. Yeah. Um, so there are, uh, she's at another and, event and where she meets the mentalist. 
I can't remember what Andy Andy then breaks up with her boyfriend. Yes, so she speaks to the mentalist for some reason. I can't remember why. I'm just looking at the screenshot. He's there. And then she breaks up with her boyfriend. Look, okay, we're being specific. We're going off screenshots, baby. I always question you for this, and you're like, well, he's there. I don't know what he says, but he's there. Look, if I if I didn't have a hard out, I would pause this podcast you know, and I would watch I, I this five-minute like, scene. Like I, I love you. all these podcasts that just give, like, thorough descriptions. And our podcast is not just that. It's like we throw in scenes which we don't know what they are. <laughs> I'm just telling you that, that Andy <laughs> and the Mentalist are the clearly guys. are on it's, screen at the same it's, time. It's our 100th episode, and uh, it's important you know that we are the podcast equivalent of going by the scene-by-scene feature on a DVD. <laughs> So, yeah, she breaks up with her boyfriend. Um, well, they, they have a little bit of an argument. They have a dramatic in-the-street argument. Um, have you ever had and, a dramatic in-the-street argument? Because I, I, uh, I have. Have I ever had a dramatic in-the-street argument? Um, I don't believe with a partner. No. Um, I, I I must I must have shouted at someone on the street. Oh, no. Alexander. You definitely shouted at Alex- someone in the street. Alexander. <laughs> I, earlier, I don't know what overcame me earlier today, but I was walking along, and we're right round the corner from a big Sainsbury's that has uh, a car park. And so we were about to cross the, uh, the little slip road that goes into the car park, and a man drove by in his Porsche going at about five miles an hour but for some reason as he's pulling into the same street decides to heavily rev on his engine and go like <laughs> and i no joke shouted out loud to this man you're going to the fucking sainsbury's <laughs> and know, i don't know what overcame i don't know what overcame me in that moment there is i felt like i was in a movie i felt like i was yeah. in one of those moments that i'd watch in a movie i'd be like no one would ever actually say that out loud would well they? done You'd i'm think very it. proud of you i'm very proud <laughs> like, lockdown is, a, is clearly getting there is a problem me. of london and this is especially in central london where there are a suspicious amount of people with, uh, like, Ferraris and Bugatti Veyrons, um, but they live in central London, and therefore they are never going to drive a Bugatti or a, like, uh, Absolutely. Or a and Lamborghini. Absolutely. As, as someone who the um, has been driving in London for a year and has had at least three or four, like, minor scrapes or crashes, like, I don't understand how anyone could no, own a valuable car in but, London. The roads are small, and people are shit drivers. Also, also I'm one cars. of those shit drivers. So, like, I, I, these people will just, like, literally just drag race, because especially if you're in, like, zone one, actually, in places, it's not that busy, but instead yeah. they will just, like, go incredibly fast down the zone one street, and you'll be like, that was just loud... For no reason at all. Yeah. Like, you didn't need to do that. Anyway, anyway back to the film. She's, she's so, with her um, boyfriend. Her boyfriend's we, like, we, why we, do you want to go to Paris? And she's like, well, I could be Andy in Paris. Like, Emily in Paris. And her boyfriend's like, nah, fuck off. And I'm like, man, I finished this beer real quick. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so they break up. I don't quite understand why. Basically, he's like, he turned into a bitch. No, I think basically what he says is like, everyone when they you, graduate you've become, uni, You've become no, no, he, the thing that you... Yeah, he's you like, decide. I'm a sorcier. It's not like I'm doing what I want to do. It's just that you used to want to do something different and you're now very happy doing the thing you're currently doing. And yeah. again, she's like eight to nine months into this job. But, okay. but, I, but to be fair, she has fundamentally changed as a person. Like she has done a 180 in her sure. not quite a 180 but she has a made drastic sure. changes to her entire personality but also conversely i will suggest that what like in the kind of t- 12 months after you after you graduate uni i think most that's, people that's a big transitional phase absolutely I think people yeah, often I fully graduate agree. and they're like, I oh shit, I'm depressed. Life. This is yeah, life. I've, yeah, absolutely. 100%. But 
you know, people change and therefore people break up. That's yeah, fine. Um, anyway, fine. so we get right. character development for Meryl Streep. Um, well, she, she goes to Paris and uh, Andy's yep. like, I love Paris. Paris is great. Fancy, fancy Paris. Ooh, look at the the Arc de Triomphe. And I want to throw it out there. Paris, be great city, okay? If you ever thought, if you've not been to Paris and you want to go to Paris, like, sure, go. But don't, ha- it's not Rome, okay? Rome, <laughs> a, again, if we're talking A-tier cities in the world, New York, London, Rome, Edinburgh. Okay, it's pretty small. Paris, B tier. Same LA is okay. C tier. I'll Vancouver say, I, is I get that this is the most the, the most opportune time for you to go on your diatribe about how much you hate Paris. But now Paris is not the sucks. time, Alexander. But Jamie, so she's we... never back in Paris. Oh, that's a lie. Okay, uh, you know what, Jamie? Jamie, I'm going to table this discussion for Les Mis. Okay, that's but fine. You gotta, yes, you gotta, yes, no, absolutely. No, no, no. You could shit all over you gotta, Paris. You got to promise. You got to promise me when we do Les Mis. When we do Les Mis, the podcast will be Paris longer sucks. than Les Mis itself. Okay? I promise. No one likes Paris, including. Paris I agree. Mis. I agree. Parisians no one suck. Likes Paris. It's not Rome. Okay. Rome's great. So Meryl Streep is like has a little breakdown uh, in her hotel room with Everyone Anne Hathaway. She's like uh, Al. I beg you. She's like like I'm Al. Edinburgh, I don't think you small. understand the concept of a slightly not hard out. <laughs> I love that you're like 20 minutes. Like, don't worry, we can get there 20 minutes. Anyway, she's in Paris. Yeah, no, but I have a lot she to talk about Paris Fashion week. week. It's Paris yes. Fashion Week and she's getting a load of free stuff. She's great. Um, she also, two things. One, she's dating the mentalist. The mentalist is like... No, Meryl Streep has a breakdown before that. <laughs> oh, oh, no, you're right, you're right. Men's, Meryl Streep has a breakdown. She's really husband. sad. This is like yes, a third she divorce. Get, she's going through a divorce and she worries about that she's going to be constantly talked about by the papers and how that's going to affect her children and the negative effect. And she says that constantly in her position, she gets it, she understands, but she is constantly, uh, she constantly has to think about her public image because of the position she is. She has a little cry. Okay, Anne Hathaway, she goes to meet Stanley Tucci. Stanley Tucci is like, uh, we're celebrating, bitch. Get Guess what? I'm going to become the new head editor of this new uh, venture of the oh, young hotshot designer. Even an editor, I think he's just becoming head of a fashion line. I think head it's of like, a fashion line. He's become the CEO of a, uh, it's the the young creative designer that we we've yeah, seen that we met earlier in the film. He's going public or something like that, and they want Stanley Tucci to be the CEO of that company. Or, yeah, I think. Um, then, then she goes and meets the mentalist for a drink. They make out. They fuck. It's the morning, the next day. Do you know how it's the morning? Because you look out the window and you can see the Eiffel Tower in the background. This this was absolutely what? 100%. Yeah, no, it's just out the window. Did you not see that? No, but, but Jamie, no, what you said is, how can you tell it's morning? And you said, because <laughs> you see the Eiffel Tower. I meant, how can you, you tell, can tell it's, it's morning because it's I meant, day how again. can you tell it's Paris? It's sequentially you know day. You know it I was mean. a nighttime scene. And then it's they wake up in bed and it's day. That's what's just, it's morning, they, not the Eiffel They wake Tower. up in bed. Um, He's got a weird body. They're still in Paris. <laughs> Because it's the Eiffel Tower. Yes. Because they're, they're, yes, they haven't gone to Versailles. Yes, I know. Alexander, I was trying to rush and I mixed up my words. I apologize. So um, she's like, oh shit, I got to get to work. Uh, and he's like, oh, I don't know why you're doing that. She's about to get fucking fired. Uh, and she's like, what? Oh yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm for some reason I have inroads in this. Um, and I, I know that she's about to get ousted for uh, another replacement. Uh, this French woman uh, that we've seen a couple of times in the film. Yeah, she says. So she's like, fuck, I gotta rush over there. I gotta warn her that she's gonna get ousted. But she doesn't get there in time. She doesn't she or she gets there and she meets Mel Street, but Mel Street never get lets her get the information. We are at a speech where um a, an event to uh, celebrate, celebrate this hung sh- young hotshot uh, designer. 
uh, Sandy Tucci is up there. He introduces Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep goes, oh, it is wonderful to be here, of course. And, well, I actually have some fantastic news. Uh, this young hotshot designer, well, he needed a new lead of, their, of his fashion line. And who better than... Ghislaine Dupois, or whatever. The French lady. Well, the um, guy who dated Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, uh, and everyone is like, oh, that's amazing. Clap, 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 clap. Stanley Tucci uh, is just sat next to Anne Hathaway uh, and in a fantastic performance. I love Stanley. Stanley Tucci. We haven't talked about him enough, but Stanley Tucci is amazing. Maybe we should use Stanley Tucci for the next person. We Stanley should. Tucci. He's um, just too good an actor. Same problem with Mel Streep, which we've discussed. How can we do a podcast about someone who is too good an actor? Is Stanley Tucci ever in any bad movies? No. Um, but yes, he's <laughs> we'll like... we just do the terminal on like, this again. It'd be great. <laughs> yeah. He's just smiling and he's like, she'll have to pay me back. She'll, she'll, she'll get me and she'll, she'll, she'll repay me. And then Anne Hathaway is like, how do you know that? And he's like, I don't. But I, I have to believe it. Uh, and it's a really great moment. It's, it's fantastic. I love Stanley Tucci in this movie. Um, uh, so yeah, basically, basically Meryl Streep has... You know where they make Negronis? Rome. What a city. What a city. <laughs> um, this is what happens when we have a beer at nine in the morning. Um, Anne, Hathaway, Anne Hathaway is in the cab with Meryl Streep. And Meryl Streep is like, oh, darling, you think I didn't know? And so basically she reveals that she has um, manufactured it so that the person who was going to replace her uh, instead takes this job and that means that she's protected her own neck, irrelevant of damaging the career of her most trusted uh, advisor. Yeah, hashtag um, girlboss. Uh, yes, hashtag girlboss. Um, and then uh, Anne Hathaway says something something to her and, well, and Meryl Streep says the iconic line. I love this line. Um, oh, darling, don't be silly. Everyone wants to be us. And then she puts on her sunglasses and gets out to no, go okay, to No, okay, okay. You missed a, yep. you missed two big bits. Okay. Or at least one big beat, and that beat is Meryl Streep's like, I am re- like, you'll like me, and like, basically, I'm grooming you to replace me. Like, not replace me, but like, you're my protege. You're way more like me. And she's like, I can never do what you did to Sandy Tucci. And she's like, the Tucci. I don't care. I was trying to think of a pun. I couldn't think of a pun. Uh, I, who cares? Okay. He's just, the the tooch is moosh. The tooch is a mooch. Okay. Uh, Streep. She streets ahead. Okay. And, okay. Um, and Anne Hathaway's like, but stash away. And, uh, but anyway, basically Mel Streep's like, to be us, we got to walk all over people. Yeah. And Anne Hathaway's like, I can't walk all over people. I love people. And uh, Mel Streep's like, but we know what's good for them. And then she, and then she says the famous line, and then she leaves the car. Yeah, and uh, it's at yeah. that point Darling, that Hathaway realizes that if she continues going on down this path, she will end up as Darth Vader. Yes, and Darth so Vader um, she she just gets out the the cab and walks in the opposite direction um, and throws her uh, cell phone. Mel- in Mel- the, she litters. She throws yes, herself. Yes, in she in throws, the throws herself in the fountain. Mel Streep is like walking, surrounded by paparazzi. She looks back and she's not there. Oh, that's weird. Oh, I guess I'll carry on. Um, Anne Hathaway, she's back in New York. She meets with a boyfriend. Uh, she's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm better now. I promise. Um, uh, and they, they vaguely resolve their, their issues. Basically, he says, I got a job in Boston. She's like, oh, that's really cool. He's like, it's not that. We could like, you can move to Boston too. She then gets a job at the New Yorker or like a, a New York paper. She goes to an interview. Uh, the yes. guy's like, so I phoned up Vogue. 
she's like yeah and he's like uh, so i spoke to miranda actually and she's like oh and he's like yeah miranda said you were her greatest disappointment and she's like well he goes uh, she also said that i'd be crazy not to hire you and she's like so oh, you must God. have done something right um, and so, yeah, she gets hired. Um, she then has a call with um, Emily Blunt. Uh, and she's like, uh, hey, uh, i got a favor. Got all these clothes that I got from Paris. I, I don't know what I'm going to do with them. Um, maybe you want it. Uh, and, and Emily is like, oh, well, I guess if, if it's such an imposition upon you, I guess I could deign myself to take them. Uh, and then she happens to be leaving a building uh, and she sees across the street Meryl Streep. Uh, who is about to get in a cab. They sort of lock eyes for a second. Uh, Meryl, then Meryl gets cab, in the a car. private car. Do you think that Miranda Priestly okay. drives in a cab? Monster. Um, uh, yeah, she, she then gets in the, the private car, uh, sort of smiles to herself, and then and then sort of goes steely face and goes, Driver, what the fuck are you doing? Go! Mush, boy, mush! Uh, yeah, it's very good. I like. She goes in and she's like... <laughs> like uh what is that it's something like um it's just something very bitchy of like i said like did i tell you to stop yeah um uh and then uh Anne hathaway is walking away to her brand new life and we get the credits oh <sighs> well, from very quickly because you got 10 no, minutes no 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 yeah you know it was, oh you it, got it was time now harder. Well, well, i can i can give you about five to ten extra minutes because i don't want to rush through this because i actually okay. have a lot to say about this movie okay i'll let you um, go first I enjoy I what I said when I finished this was I think I like this. Um it's a very well written, very well yeah. acted, yes. very well directed movie. It's there's fantastic moments. It's great. I just perhaps I'm too dumb to understand the message of the movie. I just don't know how much I vibe with the message of the movie. Um firstly, as I say, I I I do, I function, f- fundamentally do not agree with the, not disagree with the fashion industry, but I th- I agree with most of what Anne Hathaway felt about the fashion industry at the beginning of this movie. Sure. And I don't know what this movie is trying to say about the fashion industry. And maybe it's not even, maybe it's a movie more about just the the sacrifices that you need to make to be powerful in any industry and it's just a story about someone rejecting that power. It's about Anne Hathaway's journey of flirting with that power and that wealth and that superiority and deciding to reject it. And I can vibe with that. But the film doesn't seem to judge. Like, it doesn't, it, it seems to almost absolve Meryl Streep of being the horrible human being she is. Jamie, the film is called The Devil Wears Prada. She is literally compared to Satan. Yes, I, I agree with that. But also, the the, the the title of the film is not the film. And the film gives us two moments of, um, of like, attempting to connect with her character in the last third act. So that's what I believe sure. they are trying to leave me as a resonating moment with. They, we have the moment of connecting with her and feel, supposed to feel sympathy with her because of the um, 
issues he have with keeping her life private, and I understand that. And also, we are supposed to believe that Anne Hathaway does, to an extent, change her character. I don't think that Meryl Streep's character at the beginning of the movie would have said about Anne Hathaway's character, had, or about anyone who had decided to walk out on her in a moment like that. She, I don't believe she would have said... She's an incredible disappointment, but you'd be stupid not to hire her. So Meryl Streep's character does go through some growth. She is proud of Anne Hathaway's character for walking away. And I don't think she would be at the beginning of the movie. So there are elements which... And, and also it does the uh, absolving in that it tries to say that fine, she is like this, but she has to be like this to get ahead. And fine, Anne Hathaway chooses not to go down that path. Mm-hmm. But equally she could have chosen it can i can i make a counter pitch you of course can miranda is definitely the for me miranda is the villain right and yeah. she's definitely the villain of the film whether or not she's humanized but like killmonger in black panther is a villain who has good points right yeah he is humanized no we can understand him he is yeah. he's three-dimensional but he's still the villain he still wants to commit genocide or, or whatever he yeah. wants to enslave everyone to wakanda um, Miranda, as you, uh, I 100% agree, is humanized. I think she likes Andy at the end of the film because she thinks that's what she would have done, right? They're like, she, Miranda, wouldn't take shit from people. And because Andy refuses to take shit, actually, that's the more thing that is like her. That, like, they are more alike than um, Andy realizes because she, because Andy's willing to reject Miranda, that only reinforces their similarities in a way. But the difference is that, like, I, so I, I think the first one, the one where she's crying and she's like, I'm getting divorced, it's bad, is undermined by the next. So that's that's meant to make us think, oh, she's human. And in the next scene, the one character we all really like in the movie, oh, which is Sammy Tucci, so gets stepped on the throat. And the yep. line where he's like, she'll pay me back. I know she will. She has to. Like, I just have to hope she does. Yeah, we as the audience know she's never going to pay you back. She's always going to keep you under her foot because she's not good. So for yeah. me, oh, the, I, I the, agree that oh, the, the acting by Sandy Tucci in that scene is, is great, so fucking good. And like, but I think that I think the reason why they give that humanly moment is to make the next moment even more painful. Yeah, to think yeah. she's no, a that human. Makes sense. She just does this because she is just self. She only cares for herself, and maybe she's really good at what she does. And you know, lots of people want to kill to be there. But I, so I would disagree in the sense of all the way through the film, they keep on saying this is where so many hundreds, of, you know, thousands of girls want to be, all this kind of stuff. And I agree that I think the film can't fully reconcile the facts that this is an abusive industry and it's yeah. an industry which relies upon the suffering of others yeah, and I d- the I desire don't think people quite, have for the industry. Yeah, I don't think it quite judges that side of, of yeah. everything as much as I would like it to. Yeah. It, it almost poses it as a, well, yeah, fine. But if you're all just like Anne Hathaway and decided to walk away, well, then it'll be all fine. Yeah, um, it, you're right. It, it puts, so so I will I'll go for this comparison. I don't, I, I, I like the Wolf of Wall Street less than most people because I feel the Wolf of Wall Street, unlike a great play like Enron or something, never has any moments where any of the, like the film never states any of the negative consequences of this. It says, hey, people got ripped off, but we actually never see people that no, affect you, you people. No, you do not see the actual suffering. Yes. And I don't even need to think the film needs to like judge it, but I do, I do wish in the third act there was a beat where we don't even need Jordan Belfort to see it, but that we as the audience saw the effects of these of people being ripped off. Um, because 
without that like like, like, that... like what the big short tries to do and i think the big short yeah. tries it but doesn't do it very well but like has brad pitt every now and then go hey no celebrating people are yeah, losing yeah. their lives or, or, or at least um, has a scene about the crash right whereas the wolf Street yeah. never has that and because of that i don't think that anyone making the film feels that like he's a good guy but by even by putting the, the guy in the end of the film i i think it, it fails to condemn it in a way which i would want and I, I, I get I, with you. I agree with that. I enjoy The Wolf of yeah. Wall Street for what it is, but I fully agree with that criticism. Sure. So my issue, and I think you actually spot on nailed it, the issue with this film is that it suggests that the problems with the industry could be solved if people had enough gumption, right? It suggests <laughs> that, like, it suggests that the solution to these things is to just to leave it, right? Like, yeah. it, never, it never actually observes the fashion industry it observes why people fancy it, it observes some of why people dislike it but maybe not enough you know it, it, yeah. it only does it in a kind of it's a comedy so it doesn't it's like glib way but it never really fully posits a any consequences beyond just well why would you want to be in like if you yeah. if you have a backbone you just leave and i'll get on to positives in a minute uh but the the other thing and i and i i struggle with whether this is the point or not but Anne Hathaway is repeatedly called fat in this movie. And like, I get that yeah. the idea is that by fashion industry standards, you know, she's she's not supermodel skinny. But like, am I supposed to even believe that Anne Hathaway is not even like super, like unattainably skinny and attractive? Well, well, like, I, 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 I struggle to reckon with the I, morals of that choice. Sure. I, what I will say is this, is that like, Anne ha- in the sense of... Like the advertising in America is like size sixteen, and like Anne Hathaway, and this is probably like a four or six. She is far far skinnier than the average. Yeah, she is not in this film a size zero. Necessi- she's not necessarily. She's, she's, not, she's so, but 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 I guess I guess my argument would be that while intrinsically I can intuit. Yeah. that the point of it is it's, that that the fashion industry has ridiculous standards. The yes. film never makes an effort to to, sure. to, to point that out. No, 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 it yeah, just it, calls Anne Hathaway fat. Sure. And it, again, it's the it's the joke to some extent. There's a, a line in the Twilight books that Lissa hates where like um, in Twilight 1 or something where Bella's like, uh, how can he carry me on my back, on his back? I'm only like 96 pounds or something. And to be that <laughs> way, you'd have to be like clinically anorexically like like dying like like no 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 adult human way too and of course as a man with lumbago i still wouldn't be able to carry sure, someone exactly. that weight on my um, back but you know it, he can it, i i think of that in the context of i think of this in the context of that which is to say as an adult you can read that and think haha that's funny i worry about the and, and this is overly judgy but like i worry about we girls who saw that and thought yeah and Absolutely. if you wouldn't necessarily like, get the, if you don't get the joke, then all you take away from that is Anne Hathaway, who is skinny in this film, is not skinny enough, and that yeah. she is fat. And yeah. like, the, the, I agree I, with I you that like the the movie make doesn't it, make enough effort to make it clear that sure. the people who are calling her fat are wrong. Oh, and and that only matters in the context of this movie was watched by a bunch of eight year olds, like like ten year olds. Like if it's just if this was an eighteen, that's not a, you know, if only if only <laughs> adults are watching that, then yeah, you have the critical thinking skills of thing Anne Hathaway is skinny. But if yeah. you were I, I feel bad that a bunch of young kids watched this and maybe took away from this Anne Hathaway and this was fat. Yeah. Um, moving on to so, the positives. Yes. I mean, I mean I'm mean, going to sort of move towards my, my general final thoughts on this through the positives. Sure. I was really surprised by this yeah. film. Uh, having been told that I would dislike it and kind of thinking I might dislike it. Firstly, as I've said, 
brilliantly acted. Meryl Streep is incredible in this movie. Stanley Tucci is fantastic. It's really well written. They really make you root for Stanley Tucci's character. I, I would, I want more of his character in this movie. He's just so well acted, so well written. Um, while there are infuriating characters, uh, and I think that some of the the potential messaging of the film doesn't quite hit right. And of course, as a straight white male who hates the fashion industry, I think this movie should have been made for me, and it wasn't. Um, but um, I think, despite some of my uh, dislikes about it, the big thing I will say is that immediately after watching it, I had a a twenty minute conversation with the two people I watched it with. And now I have continued to have a deep and interesting conversation about this film and about the messaging of this film. And that that is commendable in and of itself, irrelevant of whether I expected this movie to be a thought provoking movie. It has I will continue thinking about this movie and I enjoy discussing it and analysing it. And that is not an easy thing to do, especially not an easy thing to do about a subject matter for which I have literally zero interest. I I do not care about the fashion industry at all. And I'm happy to have Meryl Streep come and fucking stomp on my face and tell me that I'm wrong um, while I get mildly turned on. But yeah, I, I, I was really surprised about this movie and I'm going to give it a 4.5. I, 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 I think this movie is extremely well made. And despite me disagreeing with some of the messaging that it has... It is a thought-provoking movie about a subject that I would not normally give thought to, and I think that is extremely commendable. Interesting. Um, I'm going to go for a rogue take then, because I think, suspiciously, I liked it more than it... Uh, historically, I really didn't like this film. Mm. I agree with you in the sense that I think it's well-written, I think it's well-acted, and I think it's decently directed. I don't love the direction. I think it's a little bit planned for me. Um, and I don't really like the score. For me, it's a case, though, that I think, like, I liked it more than previous to the extent that I think it's, like, a solid three-star film, um, which has had a cultural impact that I think is beyond the quality of the movie itself. I think that is potentially correct. Yeah, I think it's a really good name. I think Meryl Streep's really, like, and again, I think there, I don't, I don't necessarily love Anne Hathaway in it, actually, but I think Meryl Streep's brilliant. I think Stanley Tucci's brilliant. Like, two really good performances. And I think, I think... I mean, Meryl Streep got an Oscar nomination for this movie, which... Is rare for a movie like this, which is a more poppy sort of movie. They don't normally get as much recognition in the Not necessarily. And I I I do maintain, I think she's an all-time villain. I just think the film itself is like, for me, artistically, I don't think it's necessarily like anything more than like the sum of its parts. I think think it has these beautiful, brilliant parts and some of the lines are fantastic and all that kind of stuff. But like the central person of it is Andy, and we haven't even talked about this much of the way through the film. I don't like Andy ever. And no, I don't, not, not that no, I have I, to I like agree. Andy, but I don't feel anything about Andy. Like I, I know the yeah, like, I, I, and she annoys I think, me, and I think she, I think both she and her boyfriend are kind of crap. But yeah, like, in the film I think doesn't... in a in a slightly better film, and I think I'm going to come to regret that 4.5 when I'm comparing it to other movies. But sure. I think in a slightly better movie, you would be. Like punching your fist in the air when yeah. she walks away from that cab at the end, and you're not, you're not, you you yeah. don't root for that character or, or, enough. But, but, but to even care think of that. what I would say is the easiest comparison, right? This film is Mean Girls, 
Um, this film yeah. is like is it, pretty much just the, the exact same like plot and a lot of the same beats as Mean Girls, but at the end when Katie's like she breaks the you know the tiara and she's she's like you know, partial spring queen queen and she throws it out to everyone all that kind of crap. That's a really good beat, okay? It is. And, and I think it's a lot funnier. I think it's a lot more insightful. I think it's a lot you know I I I like it a lot more. And I think this film is neither the funniest it, as a comedy. I don't think it's necessarily it, the funniest. It, yeah, it, it, it's not hugely it's funny. There are, there are moments that you laugh at, but it, I would not call this a comedy. No, it's it's somewhere between all of this, and that is to say that it is good, that I liked it more than I did previously, but that I think it's culturally more significant than it like than it is in actual observance. I I think a big uh, yeah, I, 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 I think I agree with you. I think the 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 fact that I have been really fascinated to talk about this movie is inflating uh the ranking. In fact, I think the ending alone not the very ending, but yeah. And Meryl Streep saying, uh, darling, they all want to be us. Yes. That line alone almost flipped a switch in my brain about this movie because I immediately, I didn't, I wanted to talk about this and I didn't. Uh, I immediately was just like, fuck. Oh, that's a really good line because she's so right. I hate her. And the movie, the movie has done really well to build up. I feel like that that is the, the culmination of, of, obviously, it's the climax of the film because he walks away afterwards. But that line alone of everyone wants to be us, I'm like, fuck, I hate that you are right. Fundamentally, and, and I'm sure there are real great people out there who don't allure after power and wealth and success. But fundamentally, a lot of people fucking do. And I would consider myself among those people. So, but I'm angry that she called me out on it. Um, yeah. So that line alone just immediately got my brain thinking about the movie. And yeah, I, I think I will come to regret that 4.5. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm happy with it for now. Uh, and I'm really glad to have got to watch this movie and have got to talk yeah. about this movie. We are five minutes past my hard out. Sure. So let's so run through the rest of the schools. Uh, as you um, say, Anne Hathaway, she's, she, she's good. She's not great in this movie. I'm glad to see her. I'm, I'm really glad she got this role. Retrospectively, looking at her career, I think this is a fantastic role for Anne Hathaway to get for yeah. her career progression. As I say, this is a real stark departure from what she's done previously. Yeah. Uh, having said that, I don't really like the character. Uh, so that messes it. But does she do exactly what the character needs? Yes, I think so. So I'm going to give her a 3.8, I think. Um, I'm gonna give her a solid three. I think it's a good role. I think it's a little bit indicative of like later stuff she's gonna end up doing, in which, um, I think she is either not necessarily given enough or like, it's not what it it's not what I want from an Anna, from Anne Hathaway. Um, which is I like I like her in the, the well the the wankery Oscary bait films like which is unfair but sure that that that's really what I want. So I'd give it a three. <laughs> I think it's good. I just don't think like. I don't think this, as much as I love the script, and I think Eileen Brosh McKenna, I love her work on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, I just don't think the film necessarily gets into the character of Andy as much as it gets into Miranda. So, like, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and we've got the America's Sweetheartometer. How much is Anne Hathaway America's Sweetheart in this film? And I'd be interested to hear Ooh. your thoughts before I, before I do mine. Sure. I'm going to say quite... quite uh, uh, this, is, this is one of those things where, like... We are probably, well, it's 2006, so we're about 
six years away from peak Hathaway with people where people cruelly and unfairly and stupidly turned against our queen. Okay, um, I think this is getting to her peak or around about that point. I think it's less than the um, probably where we should have put them for the Princess Diaries films, but uh, that in reality, I think this is a it is a it's like a four. You know, I, I think it's um, it's a it was a culturally loved film. It's when people think of Anne Hathaway, I think they think of the Devil's Prada. Yep, I would um, agree. Yeah. Um, I I think also I I think I'm going to go slightly lower. I think I'm going to go three for the reason that I think this for exactly what we just said about that punching the air moment at the end that we don't get. I think Ameri- if, if we are rooting for her more as America's sweetheart, yeah. then we would punch the air more towards the end there. And so I think they, they, they are going for it, but they miss it a little bit. So I'm going to yeah. give it a three. Uh, we then have Anne's Mans. And of course, uh, that is, th- this is our list where we are rating Anne Hathaway's love interest. We have two people to enter in our list uh, today. Um, I'm going oh, we to, do, course, actually. Yes, we have uh, The Machinist. And uh, the, the machine, no, it's, fake... it's the mentalist, not the machinist. Fuck, not the machinist. That's Christian Bale. Um, uh, the mentalist, and uh, of course, the fake Jonas brother. Um, I think they yeah. both kind of suck. Um, um, we, we didn't. We didn't really talk about like the the the, the, the like. There's nothing intrinsically wrong with the the vibes between uh, the mentalist and and Anne Hathaway, but it it just feels a little bit creepy. Um, he's also yeah, not yeah. very charismatic and not very attractive, um, and the boyfriend's a dick. So they're coming in low. Are they? Oh, so I'm looking at I'm looking at the bottom of my list. There are, of course, the Baron is at the bottom of my list. That's the cat from the Cat Returns. It's a cat. It's, cat it's always remaining. Very important. It's always remaining statue. at the bottom of my list. There's of course the faux gangster from Havoc. He's a dickhead. Um, mm. Now we're getting into Nicholas Nickleby and McSwillison. Nicholas Nickleby from Nicholas Nickleby and McSwillison, the hot guy from Princess Diaries. I, I, McSwillison is more attractive than both of these people. So I think I think I want to put him above. I think I'm going to plop them both in between McSwillison and Nicholas Nickleby. Interesting. Uh, and that, that means, uh, who am I going to put above? Um, I, th- I think I'm going to put Faux Jonas Brother uh, above uh, the, the, the Mentalist. Um, so yeah, that that's my rankings. Where are you popping them? So actually, I've gone quite different from you. One second, I'm just uh, finishing, just numbering my things. Um, I'm not going to go through them all. Uh, importantly, at the bottom, of my, just 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 quickly, so you know, the bottom of my list is Arctic Monkey Boy from Princess Diaries, and at the top of my list is still Hugh eats people from Ella Enchanted. Yes, Hugh um, Dante's still top of my list as well. Yes, uh, I think it's uh, for me. I really don't like the fourth Jonas brother um i i think he, he's just he a bad a boyfriend in this and like it's in the way that like maybe it's just too close and uncomfortable but that like he wants his partner to remain the same and that is empathizable that's actually quite real but it does not necessarily make uh you the greatest ands man uh on well yes list. but yeah i guess yeah that, that, that's the idea. like people change and that's fine that they break up but also you can't force someone to remain the same yeah, and, and he doesn't, but like, I just I just don't think he's that, like, I think we never, there's never that much heat between the two. And also, Alexander, we have to accept he makes a, he's a chef and he makes a yeah, shit grilled shit cheese. cheese sandwich. So then the question goes to the mentor. So, so he basically is going to go on the lower end of the list. I'm going to put him above uh, Arthur Monkey Boy at 15, White Hove uh, from Havoc at 14, and Spilly Seed Mormon at 13. He's going to go in at 12. 
Um, I don't like him that much. He's just, he's just below Prince Party's pranks and Papier Mache from Princess Diaries 2. I, I hate um, how many people you put in from Princess Diaries 2. It makes this whole list way more confusing. Sure. And just wait till we finish doing the Anne Hathaway stuff and I read through the entire thing. It'd be great. But oh, um, So the question is then for the mentalist. I think he's above McSwillis and actually because he's a man, Jamie, okay? Do I want Anne Hathaway <laughs> to be with a child? No, I want her to be with a man. But, but you're fine with her being with a cat. You you statue. you are, you cat actively statue. want her to be with a cat. And actually, Jamie, on that, uh, he actually comes in... Uh, uh, well, a couple below the Baron, so the Baron's still at number four. Um, at number five, is going to remain. Actually, you know what? I was wrong. Actually, he's going to come in at number five, just below the Baron, but above Jack Nasty. Um, oh, above Jack, Mountain. above Jack, above my man crush Jake Gyllenhaal. I'm not sure how I feel about this. Well, oh, in that film, that Jake is... Gyllenhaal is gay and doesn't really want to. <laughs> have sex with her very much so you know i don't yeah I feel but he's like... so sexy alexander <laughs> sure oh. but again that makes sense that you're into that because he'd be into you <laughs> but he wouldn't be into anna hathaway so um, he'd be a bad partner so that's that's where he's going and now we have the most important question are you going to stash away this film do you feel that this film will galvanize humanity <sighs> i feel like i feel obliged to say yes um, I'm going to say yes. You, I think it's you, a. Oh, you, you do not. You do don't feel obliged no, gonna, to do no, anything, yes. Alexander. I, no I, one is making you do Jamie, anything. I am selfless. Okay. Do I think it will? Because it's not like the Hanks Bank in which I think you know it does have to save humanity. So whether it will galvanize other people, and I I think this wit does galvanize people. I think this this does you know make them think about exploitative labor practices. You know, I think that's all great. So yes, I think this uh, should go in my sash away. Uh, oh, sash away that, is in my I'll, I was so because it is. I am also stashing away this film. I, 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 against all odds, I am stashing away this film. And I was really excited for you not to put it in and me to put it in, and it'd be like this big crazy reveal for our hundredth episode. Oh my god, the film that everyone expected Al to like and Jamie to hate—it's the other way around. But you've ruined it, Alexander. You've I'm a ruined monster. It. Jamie's that beer you made you, me have. You have both okay, ruined it, and I'm going to be up. <laughs> I'm going to be up until 2am now watching Lord of the Rings because we've blazed through my heart out. Because it's this is the most permeable out you've ever seen. <laughs> so, right. yes, both of these are being stashed away. Um, that has been our 100th episode. Fuck me. Goodness gracious, Alexander, we have sat down and done this 100 times. Do you realise that that means, like, let's say an average length of, like, an hour and a half. That means we've spent... 150 hours of our life just sat here talking about fucking aliens that, uh, what yeah. what what thing we we could be one tenth of the way to mastering a skill at that point <laughs> just wait for the next in 20 years time jamie we'll be good at this just think about yeah. that um but of course uh next week we are going to be reviewing becoming jane a film that i i'm sure i will hate this time so join us for that in the meantime what can they do alexander to help us on this momentous occasion of our 100th episode uh guys go out there and you're gonna bully all your flatmates you're gonna bully your friends you're gonna bully your family you're gonna bully your loved ones into downloading every episode of this podcast and if you can't do that then hey be a pal and just download all previous 100 episodes twice do it what else you got to do it's quarantine you're bored and if you're bored you might as well do something fun and by fun i mean help us out here download everything uh we invest all our fake internet money right back into the podcast so uh we love you all and uh yeah 
Uh, all I would like to say is, uh, Alexander, if we had started on time instead of 20 minutes late, then we would have finished on time. Whoa, we have whoa. come in banging at the two hours I set aside for this, That's but good. whatever, it's fine. So from me, Jamie, and my co-host, Al, that's... Oh, that's 100 goddamn episodes in the bank. Never wear that crimson t-shirt again, James. <laughs> you think you have choice, but you don't. It was a present. I should be allowed to wear it. That's mean. <laughs> that's who I am. I'm the villain of these podcasts. But I also have feelings. I'm so bad. <laughs> I'll step on you. Goodbye. Blank spank. <laughs> <laughs>